Welcome to the Plus Six Podcast. My name is Pete, and I go by the name of AFR Ratings Pete on Twitter. Joining me on episode 20, all of a sudden, as co-host, is a man you know on Twitter as JepitDT. Welcome to the show, Jep. 20 episodes, hey, Pete. That's, that time flies when you're having fun. We are ticking along very much so into the preseason as we get ready for round one. The big question, Jeb, how many changes have you made since lost, last we spoke? I've lost count, buddy. And, I've, I've, and have you made any structure changes? I have. Yeah, I've gone full bottle. No um, no hesitation. How about yourself? Zero. Gee whiz. You're like, stubborn one, aren't you? No, I just haven't. I haven't opened up my team. Obviously, I had plenty of work watching every single game over the weekend, which were the, there were nine games. And I've gone back and rewatched them to figure out what is real and what is potentially false. So we'll go through those comments through each of the nine games in this podcast. There are some things there that, you know, it could be false information coming from teams through games that may not be there at round one or during the season. But we'll get through that. But I just haven't had time to open up my team. I'll probably start to go through that tomorrow. Yeah, well, I'm expecting some changes, buddy. For sure, I've got some changes to make. It will be Adam Trelaw, obviously, from last week, and there's a couple others in there that we'll discuss in this podcast going through. As we go on to a bit of news last week, St Kilda and Port Adelaide, that is now around 11 by Jep. What are your initial thoughts there? Yeah, it sort of changes strategy a little bit in the keepers um, and and helping getting through those buy numbers. Obviously, we've got our utility spot Mm -hmm. um, that that already assists us in, in getting the 18 players on field, but it's a big get and a, and a big get um, after their 11, round 11 buy. So, look, it yeah, it's a tricky one. I, I'm not changing my approach too much, I must admit. I'm not targeting specific Saints or poor players mm-hmm. um, for, for, that, um, for the edge, if we're going to call it that. Yep. But um, I, I do have a couple one of each team at this point. Um, and, yeah, they um, it just adds to their, their pros list instead of their con list and in, in why they're in the 22 from round one. I just think for me, you'd probably try and limit the amount of St Kilda and Port Adelaide players at round one, Jeb. Why is that? I just think when we get to that bye week, depending on how many players we've got on field at the moment, we don't want to have too many players in a defensive position or a midfield position that is on a buy for round 11 so therefore you want to maximize your opportunities at round 11 and not be hampered by the amount of players that are on a buy jet yeah no i agree with that i definitely agree with that pete but i think one or two won't won't break the bank oh definitely not no. You know, especially mid-prices that you're looking to upgrade um, anyway. But, you know, guys like Seb Ross, I wouldn't wouldn't go with um, personally. Um, you know, there's Billings, Rocky, all of those sort of players. Yeah, I don't want to load up on them. Um, and you've got the risk of, of them being sidelined, like you said. So, yeah, look, it's at least we know where we're going with it now. Um, we've got some clarity on it from the AFL, which is good. Great. Yeah, it's just for me, if there were a coin flip or a questionable decision or on your watch list at the moment, uh, for me, uh, any player that was in my watch list and not in my team already, I've moved them to the side and I'll target them at round 12. Yep. Let's move on to nine games, Jeb. A big load here, so let's get stuck straight into it. Adelaide and Gold Coast. 
this was quite a competitive game. Brody Smith, he scored 124 points. Time on ground percentage was 78. Points per minute was a very high 1.59. 80% game scenario, that was 127.2 points. He played through the midfield. His role looks great this year, Jep. Yeah, it's really attractive, um, and he used the ball well. He's an asset to the Crows midfield, and, you know, around Brad Crouch and, and Matt Crouch, he offers a bit something different with his penetrating kick and accurate kick at that. So um, he's not the slowest bloke going around either, so he gives him a touch of foot speed. So I think... From what we're seeing, and, and the first Matthew Nick's, you know, chess move, to so to speak, is Brody Smith in the midfield, which gives us value in the back line for those looking at him. Mm-hmm, for sure. On to Rory Laird. He's got 114 points. Time on ground percentage, 87 points per minute, was 1.31, which is quite solid. 80% game scenario was 104.8 points. He played in his halfback role, Jep. There may be a little bit of an upside value selection here. Yeah, looks ever so slightly. Um, he'll be pushing around that top six defender mark for sure for the year. Um, pretty durable from history as well. So, look, he's a safe pick. It's but I from from last year and, and previous years with defenders, you can you can pretty much um, pick pick him up during the season with no major um, cost uh, de- or cost pressure, I suppose, um, or cost cash loss, I suppose, as well. So. Um, yeah, Laird, for those looking at him, good pick, but um, I'll probably look for him during the season. Same here. On to Brad Crouch. He scored 104 points. Time on ground percentage was 79%. Points per minute was 1.32. 80% game scenario, that was 105.3 points. It was used at a high rate through that midfield, Jeff. Yeah, look, they're, they're, um, you know, Brad's a bona fide midfielder. We know what we're going to get from him. Um, it's just how high his ceiling is, and, and um, look, quality, quality player. So, yeah, I don't, I don't, we won't get any surprises from the Crouch brothers, especially Brad. It's a contract year for Brad Crouch, don't forget that. It oh. is, it is, um, and he wants to get paid, and I have thought about that. I think we've mentioned that in the podcast previously. Definitely. On to Matt Crouch, scored 101 points. Time on ground percentage was 80% points per minute, was 1.26, was, which was quite solid. 80% game scenario was 101 points. He did spend some time out on a wing, jet. Yeah, look, I, that's part of the rotations. I, I, his best foot is inside. I, I just don't see anything changing for Matt either. On to Rory Sloan, he scored 88 points. Time on ground percentage was 78. Points per minute was 1.13. And an 80% game scenario that was 90.3 points. It was okay in the midfield. I have to wonder if a faster game style under Matthew Nick suits his game, Jeff. Yeah, good call. Uh, probably haven't thought about that one too much personally, but um, yeah, as an inside mid, it's not going to aid him too much, is it? So yeah, good good call there, Pete. Riley O'Brien. He scored 84 points. Time on ground percentage was 87 points per minute. Was point. 80% game snow, that was 77.2 points. That score definitely raised some eyebrows for those looking at O'Brien for round one, Jep. Yeah, he's not setting the world on fire come pre-season. It's, it's those still willing to pay... Uh, sorry, it's those still willing to take a punt on him. And look, I just... I've never never considered him from day one, especially with all the valley around at um, the R2 spot. So not for me. On to Fisher-McKessie. 
Scored 55 points. Time on ground percentage, 87. Points per minute was 0 0.63. 80% game scenario, that was 50.6 points. It was solid in defence. Some chance for round one, Jeb, but the scores will be low. Spot on. All aspects of what you just said. He'll, um, he'll definitely play round one. He won't score a whole heap, um, and he comes at a price. So can he spend the money better? Um, I think he can. On to Wayne Malira. Scored 55 points, 84% time on ground percentage. Points per minute was 0.65, 52.4 points in an 80% game scenario. Played in defence, that's his role to start the season, Jep. Yeah, looks like it. He's and one I'm avoiding, mate. On to Ben Davis, 45 points, 81% time on ground. Points per minute was 0.56, 44.4 points in the 80% game scenario. Played as a small forward, Jep. His scores will be volatile in that role. Yeah. Unfortunately, as of most small forwards and key position forwards, that's that's the output we're going to get from him. So, mm -hmm. look, will we have a whole host of 170K rooks um, in round one? Probably not. So, you know, looking at him or, be, or um, King there from St Kilda, it's, um, it's probably one or the other. We can't afford to have both two slow burns on the bench, if you agree. Mm -hmm. On to Chase Jones. He scored 32 points. Time on ground percentage was 79. Points per minute was a very low 0.41 and an 80% game scenario. That was 32.4 points. Did he play himself out of a round one game, Jet? Oh, jeez. Look, it was not what we wanted, and I'm sure not what um, he wanted either. So, it's mm -hmm. yeah, it's not looking great. I wouldn't be picking him up. I think he's just going to play that half-forward role if he is in that team anyway, Jep. So I think the scoring may be an issue anyway. Yeah, look, he'll be up and down. He'll probably play some good games throughout the year, no doubt. Um, but, yeah, it's not looking great from his output, is it? On to Gold Coast, Darcy McPherson. He's got 117 points. Time on gram percentage, 83. Points per minute, 1.41. And 80% games now, that was 112.8 points. One of the better scoring half-forward tops, Jeb. Yeah, one of the better sco um, scorers in this whole uh, series. So, lot to, to think about with his game. But, again, he's playing a leader half-forward role himself. So, although he's a more experienced campaigner, he, um, he's subject, there is that risk of role and um, scoring output. So... You know, teams come round one, they'll tighten up that little bit more, and I don't think Darcy's output would be as great. Will Brody scored 104 points. Time on ground percentage was 84 points per minute. Was 1.24, which was quite solid. 80% game scenario, that was 99 points. There are quite a few in line for midfield spots in the Suns team, Jep, and Brody will be amongst them. He's improved as a midfielder. Yeah, definitely. He, um, he's looking really good. Um, and I would be pretty confident to say now that he's solidified a spot. Yep. Um, but unfortunately, with what we're looking at, and well, me anyway, from my team structure, 612,000 as a midfielder is not, not really the go. On to Lockie Weller. He scored 89 points. Time on ground percentage was 82 points per minute. was 1.09. 80% game snow. That was 86.8 points. He's another vying for an inside midfield role, Jeff. Yeah, look, Weller, Weller I've got an issue with. I, you know, he had four tackles in the game, but only 55% disposal efficiency. So 
he's got a, th- a few things to work on. Um, I just, yeah, I'm not considering him at all. There are a few people considering Jack Lacocha's Jep. He scored 85 points. Time on ground percentage was 76 points per minute. Was 1.1 to 80% game scenario. That worked out to be 89.5 points. He moved to a halfback role last year. Stuart Jew wants the ball in his hands with his delivery jet. Yeah, and I'm considering him as well. He's um, a mid-pricer that's offering some value. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I like how his hands, he's incredibly clean with the ball. You know, sure. one grab one grab player, notably, all the time. I don't think I've ever seen him fumble it. So, um, no, no, that's, that's reasonable to... Um, to be considering him in a defender or forward role. On to Ben Ainsworth. He scored 77 points. Time of ground percentage was 55 points per minute. It was a very high 1.40, 80% game scenario. That was 112 points. He will settle into a half forward role. Scoring will be still volatile for me, Jep. Yeah, again, those half forward types, isn't he? So he may bob up. He'll be pretty inconsistent one week um, or most weeks. And... Um, Bob up for a decent score and then followed up with a pretty subpar score the, the following week. So not for me, mate. Agreed. Hugh Greenwood scored 66 points. Time on ground percentage was 79 points per minute. 0.84, 80% game scenario that worked out to be 66.8 points. He had to share midfield minutes last week, Jeb, uh, that impacted his scoring. Yeah, it did. Um but again, he's probably one where we don't know where where he's really going to play. You know, like he's you did not state just now that they're sharing midfield minutes because mm-hmm. they're all giving each other a go, and and Joey's probably looking at what he wants to do um, and the coaching structure. So, look, come round one, he could you know play an eighty twenty sort of midfield forward role. We don't, we don't really know that. And um, if if I'm looking at the team and and Suns and what they need, they need some muscle. Mm-hmm. They need some grunt. They've got Took Miller, who's you know a, not one of the young boys anymore, and and David Swallow in the same boat. So Greenwood adds a bit of punch around <clears throat> the contested possessions and um, and takes the pressure off Raul and and the, some of the younger oncoming mids. So I still think he's got a big midfield role to play this year, and um, that score doesn't deter me. Okay, on to Jeremy Sharp. He scored sixty points. Time on ground percentage was 46 points per minute. It was a very high 1.30, 80% game scenario that worked out to be 104.3 points. He does look solid, Jeb. Not sure there is a spot for him at round one, though. Yeah, outside mid, I think Anderson gets the first crack at it. Um, unfortunately, Sharpie's got to wait his turn. Yeah, he took seven marks in that in that short period of time, so he loves a plus six. And, um, look, he, he didn't use it too badly either, so... He'll play at some point this year, yep. um, and he'll definitely present value for us at some point this year. It's just just not uh, not early on. Graydon Fiorini scored 57 points. Time on ground percentage was 79 points per minute. was 0.72, game scenario. It was a very low 57.7 points. Played in a half-back role, Jeb. Not sure how this looks going forward for Fiorini. Yeah, a bit interesting, wasn't it? He um, obviously got pushed out of the mids, and with the talent coming through and, and he's on the outer. So he needs to find a new role and he needs to find it pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Interesting as a half-back when he's only had 53% disposal efficiency. It's not good. Which is not good enough. So I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't even play round one. I 
couldn't agree more with that comment. On to Matthew Rail. Jeb, he scored 50 points, only played 41% time on ground. Points per minute was very, very solid at 1.22. 80% game scenario, that was 97.6 points, which is quite attractive. He looks great. There's nothing to think about here, Jeb. No, it's, uh, he's a round one lock. We've all got to have him in our teams. It's as simple as that. They're just uh, managing his load early on and um, yep. another quality game from him in, in the short time we saw him. On to Noah Anderson. He scored 30 points. Tom Graham percentage was 42. Points per minute was 0. 0.71. 80% game scenario. That was 57.1 points. He looked good again, Jep. Average won't be as high as what real is, but the job security does look pretty decent. Yeah. I completely agree. Um, yeah, it's it's the scores, and if we compare Anderson to you know Green from GWS or Sarong from Fremantle, which which are we getting the most value of here? Mm-hmm. Um, job security is the a big part of of the decision, and and Anderson's definitely got it. So I think again with Anderson, he, he sort of improves with as the rounds go by, and as he gets more comfortable at AFL level. So. And as an outside mid, he's um, he's going to be relying on his inside team, inside mid teammates to get it out to him as well. So, um, yeah, although his scoring will be volatile, it um, it's the job security we're looking for, especially this year where rooks have really gone missing. On to Connor Buderick. scored twenty seven points. Tom and Graham's percentage was low at forty five. Points per minute was 0.60, game scenario, that was 48 points. He looked better in round one, Jep. Hopefully there is a spot for him. Yeah, we're all hoping, and if there is, um, he's probably a good point for the new utility spot, given his DPP status. On to Jess McLennan. He played low minutes, Jep. He'll likely miss round one. Alex Sexton, he injured his hamstring on Friday as well. He's questionable at this stage for round one. Isaac Rankin. He's likely to be available for round one selection. Tom Doty for the Crows. It's likely the Adelaide Crows will be patient. That likely increases the chances for Fisher McCassie. Just quickly, Pete, on Rankin, it's um, if he is named round one, I think he's a good spot for the or good cover for your bench, and I'd be picking him. On to Hawthorne versus Melbourne. James Sicily scored 109 points. Tom and Graham percentage was 91 points per minute, was quite solid at 1.20. 80% game scenario, that was 95.8 points. It looks decent in defence, Jeb, but be aware, Mitch Lewis, Jack Gunston, Tim O'Brien, injury issues in the Hawks forward line, Jeb. Yeah, they are. God. Wouldn't, wouldn't the uh, fantasy world and fantasy community love that if um, Sicily was playing up forward come round one? Mm. Um, to cover for these injuries. So, look, it's a high-risk pick. He's never been in my calculations, and he, and he won't be. So, um, buy beware. On to Tom Mitchell. Scored 100 points. Time on ground percentage was 81. Points per minute was 1.23. 80% game scenario. That was 98.8 points. He looks great, Jeb. Turned out to be a very solid game on Friday night. Yeah, very solid. Again, ticking boxes. No no real concerns. We, we just um, sleep easy having them in our sides. For sure. On to John Siegler. Scored 92 points. Time on ground percentage was 71. Points per minute was 1.30. 80% game scenario. That was 103.7 points. He competed well against Max Gorn Jep. That forward ruck position is something to think about. It is. And, you know, 
again, another mid-price that pre presents value that's going to push, you know, the 90 average, if not more. So far out. It's like we've been blessed this year with, with rucks and not rooks. So yeah. um, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy to think what we're going to do come round one and how all the different teams are going to line up. And, you know, Segler is a very, very good choice um, for an R2 or in the forward line as cover for potential if, if people are going down that strategy. So, look, I, I like what I saw from Segler. Mm -hmm. On to Chad Wingard. He scored 43 points. Time of ground percentage was 78. Points per minute was 0.55. 80% game scenario. Obviously, that was a low 44.1 points. He struggled to impact. Jep, for me, I would totally ignore this game. Yeah, and he, look, what I take out of the game, though, is his time in the centre bounces. So he had some healthy centre bounce attendances still, um, and it looks like his role is is still midfield. Um, but, like, I just maintain his best year was in 2017 where he averaged 92. Um, is he going to average in the 90s? Probably push it maybe this year. I, I just I don't see the value... Um, in picking Wingard, although you know I'm happy to eat my words later on in the year. On to John Patton. He scored 35 points. Time of ground percentage was 52 points per minute, was 0.67, which equated to 53.8 points in an 80% game scenario. Played a key forward, Jeb. That's his role. Scoring will fluctuate this year. Yep, correct. So, is there better value with other mid-price rucks? Yes, he's probably the cheapest of the lot, but um, I just think there's there's way better options with a higher ceiling. On to Damon Greaves. He scored eight points, only played 12% time on ground, 0.67 points per minute, 53.3 points in an 80% game scenario. It's only limited minutes, Jep. He's unlikely for round one. Yeah, it's a shame, isn't it? Um, for sure. It's, well, you know, it's, he was looking like a bargain for the bench, and um, yep. we'll see what happens now with injuries that's presented themselves to Hawthorne um, since the weekend. On to Melbourne, Adam Tomlinson. He scored 134 points. Time on ground percentage was 93. Points per minute was 1.44. 80% game scenario, that was 115.3 points. Played out in his wing role, Jep. He can definitely score. Yeah, he, um, he's got the size to manhandle whoever he's on. And, um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, wow. Look, it's, um, I actually always picked him up in a draft league on the, on the weekend on Saturday. So um, and I was eyeing him off for one of my bench spots. But starting the year with him, high risk, high reward, I think, is a go. Um, I don't think he's going to be a consistent scorer, and I don't think he ever has been. So um, it's, it's not... Wise picking inconsistent scorers when you're going for that mid-pricer sort of approach. On to James Harms. He's got 92 points, 84% time on ground. Points per minute was quite solid at 1.10. 80% game scenario, that was 87.6 points. As forecast, he moved to halfback, Jep. Yeah, one I'm looking for when when he does gain that DPP status, but not, not now, mate. On to Angus Brayshaw. Scored 81 points. Time on ground percentage was 72. Points per minute was 1.13. 80% game snow. That was 90 points. Was used through that midfield. His scoring was moderate, Jep. Yeah, and I'm still scarred for life from what happened last year, so I just can't go there. It's interesting with Brayshaw. 
this time last year, we were almost gasping at the scores he put up. His moderate yeah. scores this year is probably a saviour for most. Yeah, I agreed. I just don't see um, the the improvement or the scores and the output that he provided two years ago. There's no chance, especially with Viney around um, and winning the hard ball and look bloody determined, which we'll get to. On to Christian Petrarca. Scored 78 points. Tom and Gramson each was 89 points per minute. Was a moderate 0.88. 80% game scenario that was 70.1 points. It was a high midfield usage still for Petrarca, Jep, but a low score, or moderate score, put it that way. The role is real, but there's still upside here. Yeah, there is still upside, again, but whether you are prepared to to sort of get those swinging scores, like a Tomlinson, mm-hmm. um, same with Petrarca, you know, 100 plus one week and 75 the next, is that is that okay if you... <laughs> For your blood pressure and, and your temperament, um, like I'm all about picking consistent players and um, and ones with solid roles. So yes, he does have a solid role. People will turn off him after his weekend performance, which is great for the rest that are going to lock him in because he's still got that higher ceiling. I'd be a lot more bullish on Petrarca if it wasn't for West Coast round one over in Perth. On to Jack Viney. Scored 114 points. Time on gram percentage was 76 points per minute, was 1.50, which was very solid. 80% games, no, that was 120 points. Played well through that midfield, Jet. There is some value here. Well, yes, there is very much. Um, and didn't he look bloody determined? He was just a man on a mission. Um, no one was stopping him. And I really hope he takes that attitude and stays injury-free throughout the early rounds of the season because he is a bargain pick, absolute bargain pick. The narrative of taking the captain off someone, if you're ever going to sort of get someone angry, it is Jack Varney, and he's likely to respond this year. Yeah, and I, I didn't realise how competitive he was. Like, reading between the lines of what's happened in the off-season with, with the captaincy and the like, it's, um, yeah, he's, he's a man to, to prove his worth. So, um, you know, stand and get out of his way because no one's stopping him by the looks of it. On to Max Gorn, scored 50 points. Played the first half only. Obviously, the time and ground percentage was low at 41%. Points per minute was quite solid at 1.22. 80% game scenario that equated to 97.6 points. JP still 9% owned. Can you believe it? Unreal, isn't it? I, I just I think he looked good. I I don't think I didn't see any injury issues. I, I thought he moved freely. You know, he ran a lapse in the halftime break to to get the K's in, and. Um, you know, maybe maybe missing those early March series one was a blessing in disguise for him personally for the long year ahead. Um, you know, Matt Scorn over Brody Grundy, dare I say, is still an option for me. I looked over the weekend; his ownership did jump to a massive ten percent, but now it's back down at nine percent, which was quite interesting. Over to Luke Jackson, he scored forty-four points. Time on grand percentage was forty-nine. Points per minute was 0.90, which was actually quite solid. 80% games, and it worked out to be 71.8 points. Scoring will still be an issue for me, Jeb. I'd be surprised if he's named round one. So uh, I don't think he gets gets a gig early. I don't um, don't think that's wise for the makeup of Melbourne and how they want to play. For those looking at Aaron Vanderberg, he did injure his foot in this game, so that is something to monitor. Over to Port Adelaide versus the Western Bulldogs, Justin Westhoff. 
scored 109 points. Time on ground percentage was 71 points per minute, was 1.54, which equated to 122.8 points in an 80% game scenario. That backup role means increased scoring chip. It did, um, but you know when he was playing a lot of minutes in the midfield was when Lysa went down um, with that niggle. So his score's probably inflated, but yeah, we know his role for sure now. It is it is backup ruck. Over to Travis Boak. He scored 97 points. Time on grand percentage was 71 points per minute. Was 1.37 80% game scenario that worked out to be 109.3 points. It looks solid through that midfield jet. His role will be the same as last year. Yep, it's going to, just going to take someone with a lot of balls to pick him. Um, I can't. I don't. <clears throat> I just yeah. I just can't do it. Not with um, with other value in, in the primo mids that are that's floating about. I guess for me, this is one of these things we talked about at the start of the podcast. It was in my watch list. Port Adelaide have now got the round eleven by, so I bumped him off that watch list just for that. Over, yeah. Over to Darcy Byrne Jones. Scored seventy nine points. Time on ground percentage was 88 points per minute, was 0. 0.90. 80% game scenario that worked out to be 71.8 points. He played across halfback jet. His scoring will be volatile this year. Yeah, not not on my watch list anymore, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I had high hopes from this year. And again, he'll produce the goods at some point, but it'll just be another roller coaster ride. Connor Rosie scored 64 points, 81% time on ground percentage. Points per minute was 0.79. And that equated to 63.2 points. He did struggle to score on Saturday, Jep. He'll have his big days, but then there'll be some low days. Yeah, but I, I yeah, I just don't. I'm not convinced he's got enough midfield time to to give us um, three figure scores, you know, on a semi consistent basis. So for that reason, I'm, I'm a bit off him. And yeah, now with the round 11 by and. And the other Hort and St Kilda players that I do really want, he's, he's not going to fit in my team. Over to Tom Rockliffe. He scored 64 points. Time on Gramps and each was 68 points per minute was 0.94. And that equated to 75.3 points in an 80% game scenario. It was a slow day for Rocky Jep, but it's only pre-season. Yeah, he's, he's a veteran. He knows what he's doing. Um, we know what we're going to get from Rocky, so don't let that put you off. For sure. Over to Dan Houston, he scored 61 points. Time on ground percentage was 41. Points per minute was a very, very high 1.49. And 80% game scenario that worked out to be 119 points. He played the first half only, Jep. He was excellent and used it at a high rate through that midfield. Yep. Uh, another one to tick the box, and um, I just see too much value there to uh, to say no to. Scott Lyset. said... Scored 38 points. Time on ground percentage was 45. Points per minute was 0.84. 80% game scenario that worked out to be 67.6 points. He was injured during this game, Jep, and did not return. That's something to monitor for the next week or so. Yeah, it's a red flag, isn't it? Any injuries in pre-season, we tend to um, turn off out, turn off those players. And just before round one, it's it's not not ideal. So, again, reiterating with all the um, ruck value that's presented itself this year, I don't think... Picking my set um, for classic anyway is, is a wise move. Over to Mitch Georgie Artis. He scored 34 points. Time on ground percentage was 73. Points per minute was 0.47. 80% game scenario that was 37.3 points. Struggled to score again, Jep. Expect that in his first year of footy. Yeah, he's just going to not hit those, you know, 
if he scores 50 plus, it's a good day, really. And um, at his price, it's just not value. So I'm not going there, and I'm, I wouldn't re- be recommending it. Um, come Jeppers Genius Podcast. Brad Ebert is scored 28 points. Tom and Graham percentage was 36 points per minute was 0.78. 80% game scenario that worked out to be 62.2 points. He's unlikely to play for round one for me, Jeb. Uh, he needs a good football and fitness base. Uh, listening to the coaching staff last week in radio interviews, so I think it could be a pass round one. Yeah, I'm with you, mate. I'm not going to add too much more. Um, I'm just um, not liking this sneak concussion rule with him either. Over to the Western Bulldogs, Tim English. He scored 120 points. Time of grand percentage was 87. Points per minute was 1.38, which was quite high. 80% game scenario, that was 110.3 points. We've talked about it in a pre-season, Jeb. If it's a breakout year, it's coming with Tim English for me. Is it this year? That's what we want to know. It is this year. It has to be this year. And um, where I just look at the Bulldogs team as a whole and I can see the buy-in. And it starts with Bont, the captain, and they're all following him. So Tim English will have a breakout year. And um, I am highly considering picking him up, mate. It's um, It's... Cashing in on those early rounds, yes, he is up against Brody Grundy on round one, and yes, I know he had Grundy had 50 plus hitouts both times they met last year, but it's a different Tim English this year, um, and a more confident Tim English, and um, and like I said, Brody Grundy's just on a, a healthy 70 deal, and even when you're off that half half a step, it it could mean a lot. So I'm highly highly considering Tim English, and he's been you know playing. With my team and team makeup, he's seen himself at R2 numerous times. Over to Marcus Bontempelli. He scored 100 points. Time on ground percentage was 78. Points per minute was 1.28, which equated to 102.6 points. He was solid through that midfield, but Jeb, no doubt he'll be targeted by opposition teams this year. Yeah, so if you can um, handle those hard tags at some point during the year, then... Still a wise pick, but um, we've got to be smarter than that as fantasy coaches and, and look to others where, you know, Dunks, for example, is one that won't get any attention with McRae and Bonts in, in the side. So let's be smart about it um, and look still within the team who love possessing the footy, but um, as good as Bont is, it's just not a smart move. He does look ready though, Pontempello this year. He looks doesn't prime. he? He looks prime for a massive year. Yeah, and he's just leading without leading by example and leading with action, um, hard work rate, and they're all just following him. It just it's really been a pleasure to watch the Bulldogs um, this year, and and the, their supporters should feel comfortable, you know, with a top eight finish. Over to Bailey Smith, scored eighty eight points. Time of gram percentage was eighty three. Points per minute was 1.06. 80% game scenario that was 84.8 points. He's moved into a split wing and midfield role, Jep. There is some upside here. Mm-hmm. There is. Um, I picked up Bailey Smith in, in a draft on the weekend at a, at a bargain round. I think it was about round eight. So um, I was pretty happy with that. Look, he... He's a bull of a kid in his second year laying 10 tackles a game. That's just priceless, absolutely priceless. So 20 possessions, 10 tackles, one mark. Um, there's a lot to like and a lot of value in in 
what he gives. And, um, yeah, another one who I haven't completely ruled out, buddy. Over to Josh Dunkley. Scored 87 points. Tom and Graham percentage was 82 points per minute. was 1.06. 84.9 points in an 80% game scenario. He got through the preseason well, Jep. He's ready for round one. He is, and I think we're, we're comfortable with Dunks' role. You know, going into last year, we weren't completely sold that he was full-time midfield, but I think he's just warming up to round one, um, and those heavy scores will come for sure. Over to Jack McRae. He scored 72 points. Time on Graham percentage was 82. Points per minute was 0.88. game scenario that worked out to be a very low 70.2 points. It was a low-scoring day. Yep, I would dismiss this. Yeah, I'm not concerned at all. It changes nothing. None of my thoughts for McRae. He, um, he's as high on my list as he has ever been. Over to Caleb Daniel. Scored 55 points. Time on ground percentage was 78. Points per minute was 0.71. 80% game scenario that worked out to, that worked out to be 56.4 points. Struggled again to impact scoring, Jep. He's a wait and see for me, I think. Yeah, he's off my watch list, mate. I um after after that performance on the weekend, I just I can't risk it, um, and I won't be risking it. Over to West Coast and Fremantle now. Elliot Yo scored 126 points. Time on ground percentage was 78 points per minute. It worked out to be 1.62, which was very high. 80% game scenario. That was 129.2 points. He was excellent through that midfield, Jep. He was, but knowing my team pretty well, you know, Yoey and, you know, Shui and the others, they just, they're up one week down the next. You know, they, they're such a balanced midfield that if one, one of their teammates is down, the other will step up. So with that comes volatile scoring. And I've never, not even Gaff, um, you know, Gaff's probably the exception because of his wing roll and hard running and, they constantly look at him, given his foot class by foot. So, um, for me, yo, he's a no-go. Over to Liam Duggan. He's called 124 points. Jep, his time on ground percentage was 85 points per minute. was very high at 1.46. 80% game scenario. That worked out to be 116.7 points. I'll leave this commentary to you, Jep. What do you think? Yeah, look, he's sort of surprised, but... Um, and he bobbed around a bit. I don't, you know, he's he's sort of that utility player for us now. Mm-hmm. He um, he's the half back, and he's got some bloody guts as a young fellow. He doesn't mind going back with the flights and and putting his head over the ball at all. So, what's interesting is is he going to play a bit of wing role this year? Is it him or is it Brando? Like both of them give different different aspects. So, I I've got to do. I'm, yeah, I'm going to sit on the fence on this one, but it wouldn't surprise me if Duggan's average increased, giving a bit more um, midfield time and outside midfield time at that. Um, he had 12 marks in that in that um, that game, which obviously helped his score. But the biggest takeaway I had from the game was: is he going to play an outside midfield role for us this year, or is it going to be Brander um, filling the gaps? So, yeah, if Duggan's Duggan's an interesting one. Um, I wish I had a, a firmer sort of well, firmer answer of what I thought, but um, yeah, midfield. If he's got a midfield, he, he possesses value. So, um, look, unlikely for me still. I must admit. 
just that price point could be actually a little bit yeah from Egypt. it is and it's just what we've got else you know we've got low risk picks with um you know, houston doherty and robertson and like there's only six spots in the in the back line so mm. um in a different season you know you'd probably be more viable over to Andrew Gaff, he scored 120 points. Tom and Graham's percentage was 87 points per minute, was 1.38, which was quite solid. 80% game scenario that worked out to be 110.3 points. It was the same old Andrew Gaff, Jep. He just keeps getting it down on the outside. Yeah, he's just a fitness machine, isn't he? Um, yeah. high, high, high work rate and, you know, his ownership is still way below it should be. Um, yeah. The smart... The smart coaches will start with him um i did think that tim kelly would take away a little bit from him but um ever so slightly i must admit um but kelly seems to be either inside mid or half forward there's no real outside role for tim um that i've seen so that ticks a box a box with gaffy and it also really ticks that box for that other other wingmen whichever way adam simpson goes you know is it the duggan type or is it the brander type so yeah, with Tim Kelly's role pretty much defined now as an inside mid and half forward flank split, it's it's looking good for gaff owners. And yeah, I'm looking at his ownership now, mate. It's five percent, which is just ridiculous. Speaking of Tim Kelly, he scored 101 points, 81 percent time on ground. Points per minute was 1.25. 80 percent game scenario that was 99.8 points. It was solid in that midfield. He will split the midfield and forward role. He might attract attention, however, from opposition teams, Jeb, which could allow others to get off the chain. Your thoughts there? Yeah, and look, when Kelly, if Kelly does get tagged, it frees up Gaff and Shilly and Yo, and mm. good luck to any opposition playing them. Um, it, it'll be hard to sort of manage. Look, personally, I don't think as good as Kelly is, and he, yes, he, he's got the X factor and he can win a game off his own foot, but he's not the best kick in the world. So I don't think he'll get tagged as, as much as people are sort of suggesting. I think, um, you know, if I was an opposition coach and knowing my team that well, um, Shui, Shui's the one to target. He just kills us. As, and now as the leader of our football club, you take out the heart and soul and you, you, you're halfway there. So um, I think Shui attracts a lot of attention. I think Gaft attracts a lot of attention and then sort of Kelly... Um, after that, personally, but um, I'm not an AFL coach, mate. On to Jared Brando, he scored 57 points. Time on ground percentage was 77 points per minute, was 0. 0.74. 80% game scenario that worked out to be 59.2 points. He improved his out for Jep. It remains to be seen if he makes round one for me. Yeah, I agree. I don't think oh, it's not looking good for round one, personally, from what I saw. He used the ball really well, though. You know, in his 17 possessions, he had. 88% disposal efficiency, so that's a huge tick. I just think we're too tall um, across the board, and I just, yeah, I, I think we we need to run our legs, and if I was going to say and put it down to Duggan or, or Brander for that wing role, I'd be picking Duggan. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Duggan can play a variety of roles, so he's a contingent plan in the back line. If someone goes down with injury during the game, he can push back a half-back or whatever. Um, and, you know, there's there's no real downside to having Duggan or a utility player in your 22. On to Andrew Brayshaw. He scored 118 points. Time on grand percentage was 82. Points per minute was a very high 1.44. 80% game scenario worked out to be 115.1 points. 
JP was very solid in that midfield role. He's now at 30% ownership, and that is climbing every day. The value is definitely there, and his role is definitely there this year. Yeah, his ownership is justified, mate. The role's there, the price is there. You know, he, he's going to go 20 on his average, I would suspect. Um, yep. It may t- take a little bit of time, but gee whiz, if he, he's only got to score 90 on to, to reach that magical 20 plus from his average last year, and that gives us value. We've spoken about that before, and that's the players are targeting. So, yeah, I have no qualms in, in the coaches picking him. I think he's he's a great kid, and he's one of the most courageous young players I've ever seen. Just for me on Brayshaw, I hated the ownership at 20%, and you can imagine my thoughts on 30%. There is definitely value here. For me, uh, I've still, Brayshaw is still an option for me at round one. My thoughts here, though, on Brayshaw, if I am going to start him at round one, I want at least four to five, maybe a little bit more, points of difference in other parts of the ground in your starting round one team. So therefore, obviously, with 30% ownership, there's a lot of overlap with other coaches. So again, I want if I'm choosing Brayshaw, that means I'm going to have to go different on other parts of the ground. Your thoughts there, Jip? Yeah, and that, that's fine. I think there's still some, some PODs or uniques um, in other lines that, that you can do that with. But you really, it's hard to say no to hundred. Uh, sorry, to $516,000 that's going to be pushing three-figure scores um, mm-hmm. on a semi-consistent basis. You just can't say no to that, mate. You just can't say no to that. You know, there's argue, you could argue that Brayshaw's going to average more than Walters this year, mm. and, and he's 100 grand cheaper than him. Um, in the forward line. So it's, it's a no-brainer, bud. Like, yes, he, his ownership, you know, it's not ideal, his ownership percentage, but like you said, you just go unique elsewhere um, to, to get that sort of uh, leg up and in the earlier rounds. And um, but I just think it would be suicide not to start with Brayshaw come round one. Yeah, it's probably a big decision now to actually fade him at round one. So let's see how we go with our team's at round one, I guess. On to Michael Walters. Scored 101 points. Time on ground percentage was 86. Points per minute was 1.17. And that equated to 94 points in an 80% game scenario. He will split time midfield and forward this year, Jeff. Yeah, and I still think he's a good pick. He's just not for me. I, like, I like the way the game style will... Sorry, Longmuir's new game style that he's trying to implement at Freo will really suit Walters for me. I think his 101 is probably um, unders on what he will produce. I think he, he he gets a bit of a higher ceiling with the mark and kick game. You know, he took he did take eight marks on the weekend um, and kicked a couple of goals. And though he's one of the better kicks in that whole team, so um, those picking him, you know, that's he's going to be pushing as his top six forward. So yeah, tick tick the box and move on. One player that was used in the midfield, Darcy Tucker, he scored 93 points. Time on ground percentage was 71. Points per minute was very high, 1.31, which equated to 104.8 points. He played an inside midfield role, Jep. He was used at 63.2% of CBAs. It's interesting the price point of Brayshaw and Tucker are around the same, and the midfield usage appears to be around the same as well. Your thoughts there? Yeah, look, it's... It's probably obviously high risk. We're, we're all reserved with with Tucker, um, and he didn't without Aish as well. You know, how does that affect Tucker's role? Mm-hmm. 
that's really needs to be considered. I, I just, we didn't see Tucker come in March round one, so it's it's harder to define his role, especially with the couple of Frio players missing. Was, I know Luke Ryan's uh, back flank, but we had Aish missing and um, Blake Akers out injured. So, um, you know, if Aish and Akers come back, you know, Akers back in round three or whatever it is, um, does that push out Tucker? Probably does. On to Nat 5, he scored 92 points. Time on ground percentage was 84, 1.10 points per minute. That equated to 87.6 points. He got through the game okay, Jepper. He will spend some time forward this year to allow for a developing midfield. Yeah, look, I think his, his forward line minutes was more about managing him than sort of managing the load. He, he's the go-to, I, I would think, as a leader of that football club. And he's, he's going to help the younger guys around him by being right next to him in the, in the grunt of it. So I, I expect a big year out of Nat Fife and um, he'll be pushing as a top eight mid, no doubt. Um, it's just he attracts the tag, doesn't he? Much like Bont does. Yep. On to Brett Bewley. He's got 77 points. Time on ground percentage was 80 points per minute was 0.96. 80% game scenario, that was 77 points. He moved up to a wing roll, Jep. There might be some upside here. Yeah, there's upside. There is upside. Um, it's it's how you want to gauge it and how you compare him to other uh, mid-prices in the forward line. Um, but, yeah, for sure, there is upside. On to Lockie Schultz. He scored 76 points. Time on ground percentage was 85. Points per minute was 0. 0.89. 80% games to know that worked out to be 71.5 points. He was excellent for me, Jep. He was involved in play at a high rate. But there is risk in a mid-price selection. Well, he's only three hundred twenty grand, mate. So he's on the lower end of that mid-pricer. He, again, I think he's pretty solidified to push twenty plus on his average from last year. I, 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 he hits the stat line across all levels. You know, goals, tackles, marks. Um, he's got a high work rate. Longer seems to like him. He's locked. He's you know kept. Um, Brown and Materia at the team, um, For sure. and probably no no one works harder than him in that 22. And playing the half forward role is bloody tough. You know the amount of um, lead ups and double backs and all the rest of it, the K's that go into his into his legs on a game to game basis, um, and the intensity he hits the ball at um, in his second and third efforts as well. It's just yeah, he he's on a man on a mission and. Um, I see a lot of value picking him, buddy. I, I really think he can push that 75 average, which gives him a, a 20 trump on, on last year. Mm-hmm. Completely agree. On to Adam Cherry. He scored 69 points. Time on ground percentage was 82. Points per minute was 0. 0.84. 80% game scenario. That was 67.3 points. There is some upside here as well, Jeb. Just how much, we don't know. Yes. Not what we wanted. Um sort of blew out the red flag of, of his output um, but again the role seems to be there for him it's just is there value elsewhere in other picks is really what you've got to consider on to Sean Darcy he scored 62 points time on ground percentage was 80% points per minute was 0. 0.78 80% game scenario that was 62 points he hasn't been able to get going in that preseason chip. No, he, he, he's, he's struggling. Um, 
He's not the smallest bloke in the world, so I just, yeah, not picking him. On to Toby Watson, scored 51 points. Time on ground percentage was 89. Points per minute was 0.57. 80% game scenario, that was 45.8 points. Someone to keep on the radar, Jep. Yeah, so definitely one for a D7, D8 spot. And, um, yeah, 50s, and there's a bit of slow burn in his scores. But if you're like me and screaming out for 170k rooks for, for the bench, um, he, he's definitely a viable option. Stephen Hill, he was injured during this game, scored 35 points, time on ground percentage was 56, 0.63 points per minute, and 50 points in an 80% game scenario. As I just mentioned, injured his squad. He's probably now too risky, even if he does play around, which I'm not too sure he's going to, but even throughout the season, Jeff, there is far too much risk right here. Yeah, no, no chance of me touching him anymore. I must admit, I liked his... POD, he was a bit of a unique given his ownership prior to, prior to injury. So it's a shame. Yeah, it's a shame for him personally as, as a gun footballer and what he what he can do when he is fit. Um, and it's a shame for the free and faithful. Yep. I had him in my team. As did I. Yep. As did I. So he was um, sitting in my forward line, actually. Um, I didn't have him in defence. Very sharp there from you, Jeb. And definitely, obviously, I thought I was on a bit of a sneaky pick there as well. But uh, I'm not even going there, even if he plays around one. But we've got to wait and see how that plays out from right, right here from right now. Yeah, I can't either, buddy. I agree. Onto Caleb's wrong. Scored 17 points. Time on ground percentage was 20. Points per minute was 0.85. 80% game scenario that worked out to be 68 points. He played limited minutes, Jeb. Uh, does he make round one for you? It's not a no, but <laughs> given his minutes on the weekend, it's it, it's not looking as promising as it probably was a week ago. So, yeah, let's wait and see. I still think the kid is is you know screens quality and he's got the role there too. So, if he's named round one, I'll probably pick him. Put it that way. On to Black Acres news from last week. He did injure his hamstring. He's out for an extended period. On to GWS versus Richmond. This was a high-scoring game in Wagga Wagga. Stephen Canelia scored 149 points. Time on ground percentage was 85. Points per minute was very high at 1.75. 80% game scenario. That worked out to be 140.2 points. Jeppy scored at a high rate in his midfield forward role. That ownership has now spiked to 27%. Yeah, he's on the cheaper price, isn't he, of, of those primo mids. So... That comes that comes with uh, the ownership, doesn't it? So, look, that hasn't hasn't missed a beat. Looks super fit and um, ready for a big year. And for those that pick him, it's 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 a good pick. It's a good safe bet. On to Toby Green, who did enjoy the high scoring game. He scored 121 points. Time on ground percentage was 84 points per minute. Was a very high 1.44. 80% game scenario. That was 115.2 points. As I just mentioned, he it was a high-scoring game. He does get involved when it is high-scoring, Jeb. Yeah, five goals helps in, in his score. And look, I just... Although he will bob up and, and have those these games during the year, I just, I'm just i not starting with him. On to Nick Haynes. Scored 113 points. Time on ground percentage was 82 points per minute. was 1.38. 80% game scenario, that was 110.2 points. He was used at a high rate in defence, Jep. He's just at an awkward price, but there may be some upside there. Yeah, he's got that long kick, and um, 
in high work rate, doesn't he? So, oh, geez, yeah, it's just too awkward, and and we know what role he's going to play. So, I just, I don't think we're going to see consistent hundreds or even consistent eighties from him. So, look, those that pick him, well done. Like it's it's a risky pick, um, and I hope it comes off for you. Over to Sam Jacobs. He scored 109 points. Time on ground percentage was 83. Points per minute was 1.31. 80% game scenario, that was 105.1 points. Jeppe, he was very good, but the opposition wasn't overly difficult. Plus, add a high-scoring game into the mix. And, of course, his score was going to spike. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I think he's he's been blown up a bit beyond his sort of limitations here. So... You're right. I agree with you. I think his score is is as a result of the style of game that they played. Um, it was pretty free flowing. Not much um, sort of um, no pressure for me. Yeah, it's it, the pressure, the sort of the intensity. You're right, and I, I just for me, I, I'm not going near Jacobs this this time around. I, I think um, I, I've got Tim English ahead of Jacobs personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think Tim English has a higher ceiling. Um, and I think Jacob's 109 from the weekend is probably the best you're going to get out of him. Yeah, for me, I just think I just think that game played out in his favour to put up the high score. I'm not sure that we're going to see a lot of those games throughout the season. Yeah, and look, from his, just in a, in a ruck work sense, his tap work, there are... You know, he's, there's a lot of ruckman ahead of him. Although he does compete, like his hit-out numbers aren't going to be that high. They're going to be, you know, between 20 and 30 most games. So when you consider Brody Grundy, obviously, excellent tap ruckman, um, and others, obviously, Gorn and, and Riley O'Brien's a pretty good tap ruckman too. So, um, yes, Soldo has been around a while and does, you know, know what he's doing, and, and Coleman Jones is still developing it and... Um, you know, he's he's got the leg up on Jacobs had the leg up on Coleman Jones in the game, um, but I just yeah, 27 hitouts even against Soldo and Coleman Jones I think's not what I've expected from the old Sam Jacobs anyway. On to Lockie Whitfield, he scored 108 points. Time on ground percentage was 84. Points per minute was 1.29. 80% game scenario that was 102.9 points. His numbers should be solid this season, Jep. Yeah, we know what we're going to get with uh, Whitfield and um, he looks pretty fit and um, no major concerns after his ankle surgery in the off-season, so he's he's worth the extra dollars. On to Josh Kelly. He's caught 106 points, 83% time on ground. Points per minute was quite solid at 1.28. 80% game scenario, that was 102.2 points. He's healthy, Jep, and a definite option, but that price tag is one of the higher-end players to start the season. Yeah, but he's the Rolls Royce of, of the AFL for money. He's such a great user of the football, and um, look, I think if you can definitely, if you do have a bit of surplus cash there for your midfield premiers, you should be looking to Kelly because he's just a great, great safe bet. On to Isaac coming. Scored 101 points. Time on ground percentage was 61. Points per minute was 1.66, which was quite solid. 80% game scenario that worked out to be 132.5 points. Chepe, he scored at a high rate in defence. He did start slowly. There is definite upside here for me. 
Whew. So we've got another halfbacker putting their hand up at GWS, mate. So he's competing directly with Lockie Ash. Um, is there room enough for both of them? Probably not. Um, so really, it's it's very interesting how, how this sort of pans out. I thought Cummings showed more promise during the game and, and a bit of a higher work rate, given he's a little bit more experienced than Lockie Ash. But again, Ash, far out, he's a dynamite kick. Um just nails his targets every time, made good decisions as well, just did it more sparingly than, than Cumming did. So, look, I, one of them's going to get the gig and, and they're covering for Zach Williams, who's who's out with injury at the moment. So whoever um, whoever does play in the early couple of rounds, um, it's going to be short-lived and it's probably, you know, if Cumming's hitting 101, she is, like... It's pretty unique coming from a, someone priced in the low 300000 He's highly underrated coming, uh, especially from the southern states down here in Victoria where I'm at. Uh, he doesn't really get on the radar for many, but for me, he's he could be a star in the future. Yeah, so with that, if, if I'm sure he's rated um, internally at GWS, they they really got to give him a go, don't they? Uh, there might be a bit of go-home factor otherwise and no, some politics. He's politics. Playing. He's playing. Do you reckon he'll play ahead of Lockie Ash? Absolutely. Because I think there's only room for one. It's either him or Lockie Ash. So right. that's a shame for Lockie because I think he has shown good signs this preseason. Um, but obviously, you know, first-year draftees at Giants don't usually get a huge look in. He's a no-doubter for me um, playing Isaac Cumming. I'd be highly, highly surprised if he's not there for quite a amount of games this year. On to Jackson Haightley. He scored 94 points. Time of ground percentage is 72. Points per minute was 1.31. 80% games to know that was 104.4 points. He'll be there at round one, Jep. Yeah, for sure. He's got a role to play this year for the Giants. Um, and not having um, Taranto around just helps out a little bit more for him, although they're not the exact kind of type of players. But, um, yeah, Haightley's definitely got a role to play in the junior midfield. Jacob Popper, he scored 87 points. Time on ground percentage was 74. Points per minute was 1.18. 80% games to know. That was 94.1 points, Jep. He was solid in the midfield. He'll be a staple through that role in 2020. Yeah, good bloody play, young Jacob Popper. Um, so, yeah, more inside. They rely on him a bit more on the inside this season um, until Taranto returns. So, yeah, look, a good um, pick in the draft, I think, um, He's probably a bargain pick later in, in the, probably about round five or six in the draft, depending on how many is, um, how many coaches are in, in one draft pick. But um, look look for him. Um, as far as classic goes, probably tend away from that, just given how I want my team structure to sort of look at, uh, or look like, I should say. So, um, but yeah, big year for Hopper regardless. On to Tom Green. Scored 68 points. Time on ground percentage was 74. Points per minute was 0.92. 80% game scenario. That was 73.5 points. He did score well in his midfield role. He was exposed, however, at a few centre bounces, which might be telling at round one selection from Egypt, but still he's a chance. I think he's still a chance. I, I, I think he's, he's still a physical player as a youngster. Yes, he did get shown out a little bit more, but... He's got the smarts. He's quite a smart footballer, um, is what I've predominantly noticed. Um, so, yeah, I think he does play round one, buddy. I really am um, hopeful he is. And, um, yes, he comes at a price at uh, 252000 But 
he's one of those rooks where you you know we we want our rooks to score 70 plus at, at a minimum and i think he can do that oh definitely he can do that um i'm on the fence whether he gets named at round one but i think in two to three years time i think he's going to be a very special special player on to Lockie Ash. He scored 54 points. Time on grand percentage was 69. Points per minute was 0.78. 80% game scenario that turned out to be 62.6 points. He did score okay, Jeb. He may have to wait for an opportunity for me. Yeah, so as we mentioned previously, I think it's between him and coming for an early round spot. So he's, he bides his time, um, which has been the norm for GRS first-year rooks in the past. Onto Richmond, Tom Lynch scored 109 points. Time on ground percentage was 90. Points per minute was 1.21, 96.9 points in an 80% game scenario. Again, this was a high-scoring game, Jep, but he is underpriced to start round one. Key forwards, we know, over a season, it does bring about some volatility. Yeah, and nothing changes this year, mate, with that with that comment, so look, no, no way will I be picking him. Over to Dustin Martin, he scored 93 points, 84% time on ground. Points per minute was 1.11. 80% game scenario, that was 88.6 points. He played his midfield forward well. That's what we'll see in 2020, Jep. Yep, and with that, I just um, I feel more comfortable not starting the season with him because he played pretty bloody well on the weekend um, and had some really great moments where... He lifted his side um, and still only scored 93 fantasy points. Jep at 36%, and we can pick him up at another stage, but 36% to start the year, that's a no for me. Yeah, not with the uh, value presenting themselves um, around the place with, you know, the likes of Brayshaw and um, Bailey Smith, who we've spoken about already. On to Marley and Pickett, scored 88 points, 90% time on ground. Points per minute was 0.98, 80% game scenario. That worked out to be 78.2 points. Thankfully, Jepper, his scoring output was better. There is some comfort here now. Yeah, he starts He starts on field, mate. He's the only 170k player potentially to be, to have as as a starting um, come round one. So thank, thank the DT cards for that one. Callum Coleman-Jones scored 59 points. Time on ground percentage was 60 Points per minute was 0.98. game scenario, that was 78.7 points. Jeppy's a chance for round one. Nan Curvis's health here is the key. He's a definite big chance for round one. I think he's pretty much locked for round one. Um, but okay. you're right. He's been okay, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's played his role. You know, a pinch-hitting rucker that's um, presented himself up forward and, and provided contest. So, um yeah, how far away is Nank? Is it Nank and Coleman Jones, or is it um, Soldon and Nank? So, the, arguably, I'd actually argue that Coleman Jones is probably the the more R two traditional R two that we're seeing these days, and um, it could well be Nank and Coleman Jones later in the season. Over to Basho Hawley, scored forty nine points. Time on ground percentage was eighty four points per minute was 0.58. 80% game scenario, that was 46.7 points. It was a great day for Basho Hawley, Jep. I would ignore that. Yeah, me too, mate. No, not. Although we know what we're going to get from him through the year, I don't think he, um, you know, he's, he's the, one of the better kicks in their team. So he um, has a role to play and the scores will be there. Um, it's like, 
it's like the dusty argument, isn't it? You just pick him up later in the year after he has a, a, a 70 slider or something like that. On to Thompson there. He scored 15 points. Tom and Graham Sennich was 43 points per minute was 0.35. game scenario that was 27.9 points. He did come on for Kane Lambert when he went off with concussion, but he did struggle to impact. He went straight into that midfield and it was not an impact. He's probably not there. He's Actually, he's not there around one jet. Yeah, I agree. I'm not going to add too much more after that. On to Collingwood's Nikilda. Jeremy Howe. He scored 127 points. Time on Graham Sinich was 91 points per minute was 1.40, which was quite high. 80% game scenario, that was 111.6 points. It was a perfect game for Howe taking intercept marks, Jep. He can score, but that game was conducive to good scoring. Yeah, true. Um, I think the hype is, is a short-term hype with Howe. Um, I, I understand it. I definitely understand it, but it's just, no, it's too risky. It's too far too risky. It's just one of those things that's an overreaction to a big score in a pre-season game. In the end, it's just a pre-season game. Yep, correct. On to Jack Crisp. Scored 106 points. Time on ground percentage was 87. Points per minute was 1.22. 80% game scenario that was 97.5 points. Jeppier had a high score last week, obviously. His scoring rate did drop this week. I'd expect similar numbers to last year, with maybe a little bit of an upside for him. Yeah, look, he... We we know nothing changes to Crips in 2020 from last year. Absolutely nothing. So he he pushes up again as a top six defender, and I think for me what I like about him is his ceiling. You know he can really hit that 120 plus, and as a defender, you've only really you've only got Jake Lloyd who who can provide that at this point until some maybe some potential DPP switches in the season. So with his ceiling. That's what I. That's what I go to, um, and that's what's drawing me to pick Chris come round one. Over to Brody Grundy. It was a quiet day for the big fella. Scored seventy-seven points. Time on ground percentage was eighty-six. Points per minute was 80 percent game scenario that was seventy-one point six points. Again, it was a quiet day. I totally ignore that output here, Jeb. Are you any chance to start without him at round one? For me, I am a hundred percent locking him in. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's not because of what he produced on the weekend is why I'm not considering it. Let's let's just make that pretty clear, right? So it's it's what the value that presents itself in the, in the ruck spot is why potentially I could not start with Brody Grundy. Mm-hmm. His 77 on the weekend was just him going through the motions and I don't pay too much attention to it. But... When you got guys like Naismith and um, not Jacobs personally for me, but um, uh, Tim English and others that are really putting their hand out saying, guys, we, you know, we're going to be pushing, we're going to be giving you guys 100K plus some healthy points. Um, pick me, pick me. And then we've got Brody Grundy who's signed his long-term deal, comfortable, um Yes, he's a competitive. Yes, Collingwood a vie for top four. And yes, there's buy-in from Grundy for the year. Um, but, you know, even if he does average low hundreds to start, we're still we're still um, cashing in on that for those who don't pick him and pick him up. Now, what I'm more worried about is trying to get him come round four, round four or five, right? So it's probably 
a double downgrade before you sort of plan to get him. So that say that comes in round five, and then use the second, third, and fourth trade. Sorry to, to pick him up. Really, it's that's what I'm likely. That's what I'm seeing. So um, that's what I'm losing sleep over. How if I don't start with Brody Grundy? How do I get him in by round six, round seven, potentially round five? Like can't survive without him too long. Um, so look, I'm not. Yeah, I'm definitely not ruling it out. You, you are, you're adamant you're starting him, and and I. We spoke about PODs before, and this is definitely a PED move for for coaches not going to start him. If you start with that Grundy in round one, Jeb, I hope he crushes for 180 first up against Tim English. <laughs> ouch! Ouch! No, look, and and he probably he might he might do that, like, but he almost he might just get that hundred. What I'm what I'm concerned about is not. Like as a as a captain pick, he's got the highest ceiling, yeah. So, what if he just cruises and, and just gets the hundreds and and drops a bit in value and you know Tim English has nineties and, and isn't too far behind him and, and is pushing up price wise as well? Are we really missing out on that much? And I can do so much more. Coaches can do so much more um, in other lines. And look, it would, this wouldn't be a discussion if the Rooks had put up their hands this agreed. season. Yep, I agree. So this is a non-issue if, you know, the Curtis Taylors of the world, if we had three Curtis Taylors or um, three Marley and Pickett's or whatever, like th- this wouldn't even be a discussion point. Yep. So, um, you know, we're forced our hand and, yeah, look, Grundy, it, it's a big move and a big call to make, but... It, you know me. I, last year I started without bloody Whitfield and, Lo- and Lloyd, and it burned me to tears. But I definitely got the guts to do it. So we'll see. Okay, j- just one more on this, Jeb. Do you think cash generation could be a struggle early in the season? Damn straight it is, and that's why, like Naismith, um, even Jacobs to a point, um, Tim English. You know they. We've got to look to other ways to generate the cash. Yep. So. Like I mentioned Tim English before and his higher ceiling. Like that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking not necessarily even against Grundy. Like is Grundy really going to pay him respect around the ground? I don't know. You know, and look at the Bulldogs. It would not surprise me if the Bulldogs beat Collingwood round one. Put it that way. Agreed. And that's going to take a high tempo football game with gut running through the wazoo. Tim English can move as a ruckman. Right, and Grundy will not keep up with him, so Grundy will let him go. And I, I can see some plus sixes happening around the ground. I, I can see him still getting, you know, Tim English getting twenty-five to thirty hitouts, and I can still see Tim English scoring a hundred against Brody Grundy. I, I'd, look, I just, yeah, I'd, it's what I can do without Brody Grundy that's a big advantage. Um, and like I said, I'm trying to limit, and I'll put it this way. Players 300,000 or less starting on my field at this current time is one, two, three, four, five. I've got five players under 300,000 or less starting on my field. And at the moment, I say that because I don't have Brody Grundy in my team. Now, if I take Brody Grundy and put him back in, that five becomes definitely six, maybe seven. So I'm trying to maximize value with 
players with like Schultz, who's got good job security, and Brayshaw and Bailey Smith, and all those guys that can hit hit three figures um, to give us the points that we need, generate cash, um, and tick all the boxes, buddy. So. For me, I, I'm really worried about the rookie situation and not just, like, it's all good and well. It's it's the bench players. Like, I'm even considering now putting um, Hayden Young on my bench just because there's no one else. You know, if if Hayden Young comes in rounds two or three, and this is a this is very hypothetical, then I've already got him there. But I've got 280 grand on my bench doing sweet FA. So it's, it's again, that's a, that I can only do that if I don't have Grundy. So there's, yeah, it's it's a very interesting topic, a topic I love that we're, the fantasy community is talking about heavily. Um, and I don't think there's a right or wrong answer here. I think there's pros and cons with both. You know, everyone says, yeah, you pick in two Brody, you, you, know, you get two Grundies as a captain and all the rest of it. But you're, you're speculating that he's going to be, from the get-go, 120 plus um, player, and I I just can't hold my hand on my heart and say he's going to be that player. So, um, you know, there are plenty of other captain choices we have <clears throat> in our primos, um, and yeah, not having Grundy. I, I, I at this point I just don't believe not having Grundy is the end of the world. So, if you agree that cash generation is going to be an issue early part of the season. I would start to delay my thoughts in getting Grundy as an upgrade at rounds four and five. You're going to be looking at rounds six, seven, maybe eight or even nine. So don't forget, you agreed that cash generation could be poor. So I wouldn't be guaranteeing that you're going to have that spare money to upgrade. And that's a big problem with it. So that's one of the one of the negatives of not having Grundy is um, even if he drops down to 850, or um, between 850k by round six or seven. Um, <clears throat> that's round six, six or seven rounds without him, without three-figure scores. Um, obviously, you'd use a Jacobs or Tim English to upgrade to Grundy, so you're more than halfway there, um, and you probably need another mid-pricer to um, to to get rid of, um, like a Bailey Smith or someone like that. So, um, yeah, you're giving up a bit to get him later on. Look, I don't... I think there are ways to get him later on. Um, it's just... Yeah, if you do it in four trades or three or two, really. So so that that's the issue there for me is, if, once again, if we, if you're considering, and I'm agreeing here, that cash generation is going to be slow at the early part of the season, it's going to take, you know, three hundred to 400000 to upgrade to Grundy, depending on what, what price he is. Yeah, that's that's the issue. You don't want to be upgrading at Sam Jacobs to Brady Grundy. You want to be upgrading a rookie pl- price player to a premium. So I think the two two step scenario is okay, but we need to get those rooks, whatever rooks we do have, off the ground ASAP. And that's always been for me the number one priority over going mid pricer to a premium. Correct, but there it's again like if I use Dylan Robinson as the example, and say I got Jacobs or Robinson, I trade Jacob uh, Robinson down to hypothetically Hayden Young, right? Um, and I've got enough money to do Jacobs up to Grundy, but then I would 
do that. I can do that in two trades. But I probably got a bit of a war chest from previous, you know, um, previous trades as well. Um, so there are ways of getting him later on. You know, Robertson's not one I want for the majority of the year. I think there's an injury risk with Robertson, um, given his issues in the past. But that's an example. Or, yeah, you wait longer, wait for a, you know, basement rookie price to to give a bit. But that's it's. No, that's not. It's, too, it's way harder to to pull him in that way. So, yeah, it's one of the issues of not starting Grundy. It's, it's how you get Grundy in later, isn't it? And then not just Grundy, it's Gorn as well. So, so for me again, it's the captain option. I'm not moving off Grundy. I'm starting in round one. You'll have your opinion, and then the right opinion, which will be mine. You start with Grundy. <laughs> All right, mate. Good, good discussion anyway, buddy. But, yeah. but my decision will be right, and then good luck to you. Yeah, okay. We'll see. I'll send you. I'll send you a few DMs with those. Uh, I had that Brandy oh, no. Brandy 150 going. I remember last year with um with Jake Lloyd and, and Whitfield. No, it was more Whitfield last yeah, year that put Whitfield. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it's your opinion, and then we'll we'll have the right opinion, which we me. On to the next player, John Noble. He's got 73 points, 80 percent, 86 percent time on ground. Points per minute was 0.85, 80% game scenario, which worked out to be 67.9 points. He was okay playing cross halfback, moving up to a wing jet for me. Uh, he's a mid-price option. Uh, I think for me, for me, he's playing round one. Well, he's definitely playing round one, but I just I like other mid-prices in defence a, a, a way ahead of Noble. Yep. Just just my opinion. He didn't have a single tack on the weekend, which that's an issue. Could, yeah, it's an issue, but you could actually take it as advantage. He probably just maybe had a quiet game in that aspect. And he's not the tackler, though. Yeah, he's not, but you'd still, you know, potentially one or two you should be laying. So maybe that 73 becomes an 80. Onto Rupert Wills. He scored 71 points. Time on ground percentage was 69. Points per minute worked out to be 1.03. 80% game scenario that worked out to be 82.3 points. There is upside here for Wheels Jep. He's playing an inside midfield role. Yeah, the role's there. It's just get, getting it on the scores and um, hopefully he warms up to it. But as, like we said, he had eight tackles, um, but no marks. So again, I, I think we'll see the better part of Wheels um, as the year goes on. Um, but as a mid, um, it just doesn't fit my team structure. He's not a connecting player from defence to midfield. He's that inside contested, you know, that's wet, yeah. out, it's wet outside. He's going to lay 10, 10 maybe higher tackles. So he's inside, slow, ball-moving game type of midfielder that can score at a high rate in a fast game, like potentially the Bulldogs game, he could be a slow score. Yeah, very much like Matt Prittis, a bit handball-happy. Um, yep. And tackles, with yeah. that... Yeah, it doesn't really come with a high ceiling. I don't think he's ever going to have a high ceiling. How good a player was Matt Prittis for me, anyway? That's a, oh, well, that's a story going by. One of my favourites, obviously. Mm. On to Jack Madgen. He scored 66 points. Time and ground percentage was 85. Points per minute was 0. 0.78. 80% game scenario that worked out to be 62.1 points. He'll be right in the mix for round one at the Magpies, Jep. Not sure his scores will be sustainable, though. No, brother of Ben, who uh, plays in the NBL. He's a um, former college basketballer himself, I believe. So, mm-hmm. look, 288000 does present um, value, but 
they seem pretty settled in the key position stakes, don't they? On to Taylor Adams. Scored 50 points. Uh, moderate Tom on ground percentage. He didn't come back on the half to half time. Points per minute was 0.91. 80% game scenario, that was 72.7 points. Again, he was rested for the second half. Jep, he'll be ready to go at round one. Yeah, with Adams, it's it's about his you know his fitness and how healthy he is. He's a bull. We know what um, we know what we're going to get from him in a fantasy sense. You know, he's definitely one of those players that pushes for a hundred. It's just a risky a risk picking him, in my opinion. What do you think? Yeah, for me, I think there are better premium midfield options out there. So um, I won't be starting with Adams. Again, uh, there are other options out there. On to Mason Cox. The reason I'm mentioning Mason Cox doesn't matter about his scoring here, his scoring rate here, Jeb. There was no Darcy Cameron this week, and that was clear for everyone to see. Yeah, it was, it's a bloody bugger, isn't it? 170k rook is um is gone missing a little bit, which is a shame. But yep, so to speak, you were right. Um, you mentioned it last week that Cox was going to start as the R2, so that is what's going to happen come round one, and we um we look to value elsewhere. Onto Tyler Brown. Scored 35 points. Tom and Graham percentage with 39. Points per minute was 0.90. 71.8 points in an 80% game scenario. He played limited minutes, Jep, but he will clearly, for me, play in 2020 at some stage. Correct. So he's definitely got a role to play this year. He could be one of those rooks, um, like I mentioned about um, Hayden Young, about just you know starting on your bench if no one else... Uh, puts their hand up um, for round one selection. You know, you'll be thereabouts during the latter rounds or latter early rounds, I should say. And um, at 170,000, I think he's um, really, really good value. He is a very good young footballer. He's highly rated amongst Collingwood. Um, And, yeah, um, he's definitely going to give us the cash generation um, that we need. Let's just hope he can string five, six, seven games in a row um, to for us greedy fantasy coaches to get the 100, 150k earnings that we can upgrade later. On to Brad Hill. He scored 120 points. Time on ground percentage was 77. 1.56 points per minute that worked out to be. And 80% game scenario, that was 124.7 points. He was very classy on the outside role at the Saints Jep. He could be a bit of a sleeper there for me. You look for high work rate. It's just, yeah. Jeb, they played nine out of their first 11 games at Marvel Stadium. That is completely staring at me with that ball use and then chipping it around. Yeah, look, no, nah, not for me. It's just not to start the season anyway, mate. Like we said with others, you know, um, like Taylor Adams, it's probably better mids we can go to. On to Jack Billing. Scored 101 points. Time on ground percentage was 83. Points per minute worked out to be 1.22. 80% game scenario, that was 97.3 points. He moved up and down that wing, gathering easy ball, Jep. Yeah, so you got Brad Hill on one wing and Billings on the other, so lock that in. Um, that ain't changing unless there's injuries. So, um, yeah, I think Billings doesn't give us the high ceiling and he's in mid only this year so it's um it's a no on to ben long 
He was forecast to move to a halfback role over the preseason from the coaching staff, and that's how it played out in the week three of the Mask Community Series. He scored 89 points, time on ground percentage was 89. Obviously, that works out to be one point flat point per, point per minute. And that 80% game scenario was 80 points. He was very solid in his defensive setup role, Jep. If he can maintain that, there is definite value in Ben Long. Yeah, there is. Um, so 392,000 forward only, one of many that are putting their hand up. Um, I, th- I like others better, though. I do like others around his price. I like him a lot better than Ben Long. But I'm not saying that Ben Long doesn't provide value. On to Hunter Clark. Scored 70 points, time on ground percentage was 79, points per minute was 0. 0.89, 80% game scenario that worked out to be 70.9 points. The scoring rate was slow again, Jeff here. Yeah, I'm just not a Hunter Clark fan, and it'll take a lot to change my mind, buddy. Pass for me, too. On to Dylan Robertson. Scored 70 points, it was a good return to football. 82% game time was actually pretty good to see him back and play at a good rate. Points per minute was 0. 0.85. 80% game scenario that worked out to be 68.3 points. Again, Jeff, it's great to see him back. The scores will be there for me. Yep, he's a sensible starting option. Um, and, um, yeah, it's, it's they like going through him in the back line, which is great. On to Dan Hanabry. 63 points. Tom O'Gramson is 62. Points per minute was 1.02. 80% game scenario that worked out to be 81.3 points. He wasn't used at a high rate through that midfield, but once the season starts and he gets involved, yep, that'll be there. It will be there, um, but like I said, not one for me. And he's, he falls in with Brad Hill about starting with, um, you know, a bit better, decent um, midfield primos. There are, there's a squeeze for spots at the Saints, Jeff. There's, there's going to be a, a couple of players that are going to miss out at round one that we're going to raise our eyelids with that, uh, that they've missed out but again the experience is in there at the Saints now uh, they've got a reasonably healthy list and again a squeeze at round one yeah that's interesting um, which is good for, for the Saints they needed that competition that depth in their list um, but at the same time I still think they're still learning their roles within the team like Seb Ross is a good example where I just, I'm a bit, I'm a bit, still a bit lost of what role he plays this season. Yeah, inside midfield, obviously where he's played previously. So, but you've got to work out how many players are going into that midfield, and then you've got the wing roles that have been set already, and you've got other players that are learning new positions. That could they start? I mean, Ben Long may or may not be there round one. I wouldn't be surprised at that either. And I'm just talking about him that he's a value pick. But, you know, it's potential that if, if he has a couple of poor games, that'd be, he could be straight out of that team. So for, yeah, me, good call. For, for me, there could be a squeeze on spots. That's great for the Saints. I think they'll improve this year. I think they're... Uh, I'm quite bullish on them making the eight, actually. So, And nine out of the first 11 games at, at Marvel Stadium, that screams to me, the Jack Billings. I know you said there's not value there for him. But for me, there's, there's monster value for him. Um, Hanbury, I was high on, but I, I don't think I'm going to start with him at round one now. Um, for me, there's others there that are big players. It's just disappointing that they had to move that buy to round 11. Otherwise, I would, I would actually potentially be starting with a couple extra St Kilda players. Yeah, okay. Interesting. 
onto Max King. Uh, he scored 46 points. Time on ground percentage was 70 points per minute was 0. 0.66. 80% game scenario, that was 52.6 points. He looks like a fair prospect, Jeb. Oh, mate. Clunk him. Like, unreal. So, yeah, he's... He's one for our forward bench that we need to consider, definitely. He's got a big role to play this year and um, but it's you know, young key position players don't don't give us the scores. So it's bench only and it's if others don't present, really. On to Carlton versus Brisbane. Patrick Cripps scored ninety six points, time on gram percentage was seventy nine points per minute was one point two two, eighty percent game scenario that was ninety seven point two points. He looks ready for round one, Jep. He'll be targeted by opposition, however, through the season. So, yeah, Cripps has got the target on his back for sure, but look, super player, high ceiling. Um, it's just like like Bontempelli, really. Can you handle those hard tags and potentially the 60s and 70s scores like we got out of Cripps last year? On to Sam Doherty. Scored 87 points. Time on ground percentage was 81. Points per minute was 1.07. 80% game scenario. That was 85.9 points. Jeb, it was just another tick. Yeah, much, much to my satisfaction and other coaches who, um, you know, he's going to be one of the high, most highly owned players this year. On to Sam Walsh. He scored 86 points. Time on ground percentage was 85. Points per minute was 1.01. 80% game scenario. That was 80.9 points. Jep, he was caught a couple of times in rundown scenarios, but his scoring will be maintained throughout the season compared to last year for me. Yeah, look, Walsh is a jet. Um, it's, I don't have the balls to start him, but um, I can see why play, um, coaches are looking to start him for sure. On to Jack Martin. Scored 81 points. Time on ground percentage was 68. Points per minute was 1.19. And that worked out to be 95.3 points in an 80% game scenario. He's a split midfield role again, Jep. The scoring has been solid, however. Yeah, see, when you really bump up his scores with the 80 minutes, it's 95 starts to become pretty pretty attractive. So, yep. yeah, um, a bargain pickup, Pete. A real bargain pickup, I think. And... When he gets more comfortable around his new teammates, I think it only is going to transpire in higher scores. So definitely Jack Martin for me, and I don't know about you, but for me, he's pushing as a top six forward. On to Jared Berry for the Lions. He scored 100 points. Time on ground percentage was 71. Points per minute was a very high 1.41. 80% game scenario that worked out to be 112.7 points. He'll be used through that midfield jet. It's just a matter of how much upside there is. Yeah, look, quality kid. Um, I don't think he's going to be a consistent scorer, but it could be wrong. Um, two goals in his in his for his hundred uh, fantasy points on the weekend. So um, I don't think that's going to happen every week. And um, look, it just doesn't doesn't um, fit in my team structure. If he was a forward, gee whiz, we'd, we'd look at him. And hopefully, his younger brother gets to look in throughout the year at some point as well. On to Lockie Neal, scored 91 points. Time on ground percentage was 79. Points per minute was 1.15. 80% game scenario, that was 92.2 points. He scored, still okay for me, Jep. That midfield is very healthy at the Lions to kick off the season. Yeah, look, probably probably went a bit through the motions a little bit. Let's let's not read too much into his score on the weekend. Let's look at it, the quality of player he is and what he produced in the early rounds of last year. And... Um, yeah, look, he's he's a midfield primo, and it's as simple as that. On to Grant Birchall. Maybe an option for some coaches in defence. Scored 70 points. 
time on gram percentage was 64. Points per minute was 1.09. Added an 80% game scenario that was 87.5 points. He's completed a full pre-season, Jep. He'll be there at round one. Yeah, he's there at round one for sure and, and, a, and a value pick in our defence is... If he can take the risk um, with his injuries and injury history, then gee whiz, like, there's some earnings to be had um, for Grant Birchall for sure. On to Devin Robertson. Scored 52 points. Time on ground percentage was 63. Points per minute was 0.83. 80% game scenario that was 66 points. There is some chance he plays at round one, and that's thanks to Cam Alice Yorman. What are your thoughts there, Jep? Boy, oh boy. Like, um, when he got drafted to the Lions, I was gutted because I didn't think the the, uh, the opportunities would be there for him. Um, so, yeah, look, let's hope he gets a game. He's He is a workhorse, a tackling machine for a young fella. Yep. Um, and I love it when first year, second year, third year players can lay a tackle. Um, you know, Bailey Smith is a second year player laying 10 tackles. In one game, and, and Devin Robertson's played 60% of game time and laid five tackles. So that's a good stat line to be hitting um, for a rook. And um, if he's playing round one, it's going to be hard to fit him in. And it's all really just about job security, isn't it? For me, once he adds polish to his game, he's going to be an absolute star. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more um, with with his future prospects, but narrowing it down to this year, mm. you know, like Ellis Yeoman came to Brisbane for, you know, for more opportunity and um, what's his name? The coach called him out a bit with his work rate and yep. that was a bit of a smack in the mouth, but... Definitely telling. He's a, yeah, telling, but he, I think Cameron Ellis, well, he's a big boy and he can take it, um, but he's got things to work on and he sounds like he's got to earn the coach's trust back. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that might take some time, and and um, Robertson, or Robertson, sorry, will, will benefit. So, look, and 101 things can happen at the Brisbane Lions between now and around six. So, look, I, I think he's a risky pick, job security wise, but I'm not ruling him out, and he's high on my Jeffers Genius list for midfielders for sure. Just the issue there for Robertson, Brisbane play round one on a Sunday. So it's obviously if they name him throughout the week for a debut, we're going to know early. But there is the potential we're not going to know until late Friday afternoon, just prior to lockout, whether Robertson is playing. So that's something to take into consideration there. We need that information out of Brisbane, and we need that information out of Brisbane ASAP. For sure. On to Brandon Stasevic. Scored 39 points. Time on ground percentage was 75. Points per minute was 0.52. 80% game scenario that worked out to be 41.6 points. He's an outside chance for me at round one, Jeb. But I think we'll see him in 2020. Oh, we'll see him in 2020, but he's just not for me. His scoring potential's not there. His job security is not locked away. Um, he'll play sparingly. Um, and unless injuries hit the lines in a big way, it's just not, just not going to happen. On to North Melbourne versus Sydney. Todd Goldstein had a very solid day. He scored 122 points. Time on ground percentage was 87. Points per minute was 1.40. 80% game scenario that worked out to be 112.2 points. He was very solid against Nace Smith, mostly, Jep. Yep, so he had a good run at it against Nace Smith, but um, they were equal in the hitouts, 27 apiece. Um, 
Goldie, yeah, he's sort of that um, older statesman that's not really doing a lot wrong this preseason, is he? So, um, yeah. but yeah, we just, I can't compare the value of others with, with Goldie, so unfortunately not for me. One player that stood out to everyone, Jeb, on Monday, but we've been on him for quite a few weeks now, is Curtis Taylor. He scored 94 points against the Swans. Time on ground percentage was 86. Points per minute was 1.09. 80% game scenario, that was 87.4 points. Obviously, once again, we've mentioned him before. I'd be shocked if he doesn't play round one. Oh, he's in round one, um, for sh- for sure. Um, had a really great game. Um, stood out, obviously. Slid in the draft um, a couple of years ago. Um, was touted for a top 20 pick and um, slid to the Roos. I can't remember off the top of my head his exact pick, but it was in the 30s. So, uh, look, he looked very active, very determined. Um, and he's obviously playing that half-forward role, which was... Um, you know, Kane Turner's role, who's who's under injury. So there's there's a job for him there. Hallelujah, we've got a 170k rook that we can start on our field, Pete. Absolutely. Jack Marnie, he scored 31 points. Time on ground percentage was 73. Points per minute was 0. 0.42. 80% game scenario, that was 34 points. Obviously playing a small forward role, Jep, and the output will be low. Yeah, very low. So unfortunately, I, I couldn't... Couldn't recommend to start, Marnie. On to Jack Siebel. Scored 21 points. Time on ground percentage was 38. Points per minute was 0.55. 80% game scenario. It was obviously just pretty low at 44.2 points. He's just getting back to 100% fitness. Jep, he's had an injury interrupted preseason. Yeah, and that alone puts me off, mate. So no, no dice. Aiden Bonner, 11 points. Time on ground percentage, 27%. Points per minute was 0.41. 80% game scenario, that was 32.6 points. Played the second half, Jep. His scores won't be there for me anyway, but his job security is very sketchy. Yeah, massive red flag, no dice. No, not happening for me, and shouldn't be happening for any other fantasy coaches for that matter. Josh Kennedy had a massive day. It's probably, it actually is the best score of the preseason uh, for 80% game scenario. Anyway, 143 points, time on ground percentage was 69. Points per minute was 2.07. Again, that's massive, and that worked out to be 165.8 points. Again, best game of the preseason by anyone from Egypt. Oh, unreal. Um, and a play that's shown in the past, hasn't he? Yep. On to Jake Lloyd. Came strapped back into that defensive role. Scored 97 points. Time on ground percentage was 89. Points per minute was 1.09. 80% game scenario. That worked out to be 87.2 points. Again, in that defensive role, he scored well. He's a very high defender. Jeb, what are your thoughts on starting Lloyd at round one? <sighs> Something I'm toying with again. I'm sort of, some days I wake up and he's in my team, other mornings he's not. So it's, yeah, I just don't want to get burned like I did last year, mate, and then you get to pay out on me. Mm. So, yeah, I think we know what we're going to get with Lloyd. I think he's a safe bet. You know, it's, it's a set-and-forget sort of situation with him. Um, it's just comparing him to others in the back line and, and whether you can fit him in, really. On to James Robottom. Scored 85 points. Time on ground percentage was 77 points per minute was 1.10. 80% game scenario, that was 88.3 points. Jet will see him through the midfield in 2020. 
but that price is just awkward. For me, every time I log into AFL Fantasy, I'm expecting to see th- mid-300s for row bottom, and that's just not his price. Yeah, 469 is awkward. Um, it's a pity, it's what a pity I, because that role's there. Yeah, and that's what I do like. I, I like his role, and oh, it's just I'm not ruling him out. Put it that way. I'm not ruling him out. It's um, He's got 1% ownership too. So stat line-wise, you know, he's... He's got nine tackles on the weekend. Again, I just love the tackle numbers. A bit handball happy, though. Five kicks, ten handball. So, um, and not the best use of the footy at 60% disposal efficiency. So, rolls there, yes. Um, looks like his scores are going to be, you know, pushing 90, which is great as a, as a mid-price forward. Um, it's whether we can spend the 469 and, and be satisfied. Jepper, put your seatbelt on. We're going for a ride here. Sam Naismith, he's got 68 points. Time on ground percentage was 72 points per minute, was 0.94. 80% game scenario that worked out to be 75.6 points. He was used as the number one ruck on Monday, Jep. I'll allow you to speak, <laughs> and then I will retort. <laughs> what? You're against starting him at R2? God. So you still... After, again, what you've seen on the weekend, and, again, compare it with not too many rooks putting their hand up, you are still not starting Naismith at R2. I am silent until you finish, so off you go. Look, for me, taking that number one ruck role helps, and, and knowing that they want to play Sinclair more up forward. And again, from his West Coast days, he was a, the traditional R2 Um I thought Naismith did a pretty good job. He wasn't the best. He's not the most mobile fella in the world. And, yes, there are going to be times where he scores 50 or below. But I just think anyone with the potential to, to hit, and I still think he's got the potential for an 80, um, to hit an 80 score at 284 grand is worth considering, for sure, at R2. So... Again, we wouldn't be having this conversation if other rookies presented themselves. I would never risk it. Okay. Um, but I'm looking for cash generation and quick cash generation, and I think Naismith can provide it. All good. Oh, over to you, buddy. So you've given your opinion. Here's the answer. <laughs> He's an R3 all day for me, even though you have to spend up to get him at R3. But obviously that's going to create some issues to find the money to upgrade him to at R3. For me, if a player hasn't played in the previous two seasons, especially at the ruck roll, you would pretty much give him as much opportunity to play in that ruck roll in pre-season games. I have no question he's playing round one. For me, Longmire plays a dual ruck setup. That's not even a question for me as well. That's going to happen. But for me, this is a split ruck roll. There is no clear number one for me. It'll be Sinclair at times, and it'll be Naismith at times. Therefore, I think expect a high volatile scoring rate for Naismith. I do agree that we need to find other options other than midfield defence and forwards to, to generate cash. But for me, he's an R3 all day, every day. Your thoughts there? Oh, look... Yeah, the... he's not. He's not. He's not a clear number 
one of rugby. That's that's that's. that's no, he's not. But I think I think the argument. I think we've got to focus the argument on what he can score. So if you, mm-hmm. you you're calling him an R three ruck yep. um, and not worthy on your field, so you really feel that he's going to be viable for scores sixty and below sixty. Let's say that. So if you don't start with Nate Smith on your field, the win you get a win by getting scores sixty or below. Is that fair? I'd expect 65s, 70s. That's fine for me. Even as an R3? Yep. So, that, so as a rookie price player, I've always had the rule of thumb. If a, if a rook can score 65, 70, they're doing their job. Mm-hmm. And if Snaysmith is going to get 25 bloody hit-outs a game, he's, you know, he's, he's almost halfway there. So, But that's the issue, Jeb. That's in a role where he played on Monday where he was... Pretty much the clear number one ruck. That's not. Yeah, that's, and you and you believe that that's not the case. I believe that's not the case. If he's missed footy for two seasons, you want to give him as much opportunity to get back into the swing of things. And for me, yeah. uh, for me, it was obviously again. Don't forget, you've got Franklin out of that team, and you've got ish, injury issues there with the forward line to start the season for Sydney. So you know, it is a potential that Sinclair drops in that forward line at round one. But once Franklin returns, what's the, what's going to start to happen here? And if that's the case, and then, albeit Longmire has to actually make a decision of playing one or the other, I mean, I think, for me, the first to go is Naismith. Now, the other thing there is, for me, is that if you start Naismith, and we talked earlier in the podcast where we think cash generation is going to be slow, if you if you need to upgrade to Gorn or Grunny from Naismith, that's, that's, you're talking about the buy weeks to get that sort of money. Yeah, and that, again, yeah. That is a huge issue. So what I'm worried about and what is really burning on my brain is, like you said, say Naismith starts to become a slow burn or, worse, gets dropped at round four or five um, or even round three. Say he gets dropped at round three. Those those with him at R2 are stuffed, absolutely stuffed. It's It's a restructure then. It's a complete restructure and that's not not the aim of the game here. So really the bet is can they Smith score, you know, 65, 70 for the first six, seven rounds? Is That's really what I'm asking myself. You need, and, you need to get into the bye weeks pretty much. Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So 10 rounds. Yep. And that's, that's probably a big ask because there are question marks, like you said, with Franklin and how the, how Sydney Swans line up without Franklin. So, yep. Look, all all good discussion points, mate. And look, I'm not taking the decision lightly. I'm not. He's he's my R two at the moment, but I'm definitely not set on it. So, um, yeah, it's it's a so it's issue. a good discussion point. Yeah. I like I like that teams will start with him, regardless of which way it goes and what the value pick is. So, and if Nate Smith does kill it. And you got him in at R three, then you can restructure the other way, can't you? You can, you know, if you've got Jacobs or Tim English or Nick Nat or whoever, um, you can restructure after that. But oh. again, for me, it's potentially it's a, you know, it's a stepping stone. It's a potential Nate Smith to someone else, and then to get to Gorn or Grundy if you don't start with either after the the bye weeks. 
And don't forget, you're also missing out on those scores. And that's a lot of cash you need to generate between those weeks. And the worst part will be is that if you need to upgrade Naismith to someone, that's going to cost you a lot of cash to make that upgrade. And potentially, you're not going to get the ruck that you actually need at rounds six and seven and eight. And that's and that that point, as we know, that you need to be start to be scoring quite high. Yeah, that, yeah that's 100% spot on. I, I can't argue with that. I can't argue with that at all, mate. So, um, yeah, I wish there were better rookies out there that presented themselves so I didn't have this issue, but I can't make it a definitive call now. I've got to think about it a bit more. Naismith is value. I'm not arguing that. Naismith is playing round one. Again, no argument for me. My point being is that it is a split ruck roll for me... Uh, you know, if he was number one ruck and Sinclair was out, you know, I mean, he could be popping 90. It starts to be a massive consideration for an R2. But for me, he is in the R3 every day of the week right here. Yeah, okay. Already on to Jordan Dawson. He is one player that didn't actually like Jake Lloyd returning, but he scored 57 points on Monday. Time on ground percentage was 82%. Points per minute was 0. 0.70. 80% game scenario was 55.6 points, which is quite low. Again, Jake Lloyd returned, Jep. The kick-ins hit zero for Dawson. Yeah, shock horror, wasn't it? It's, um... No, I'm being sarcastic. Um, no, we knew this would happen. Lloyd's the, the quarterback at, at the Swans, and Dawson's second fiddle, so no no to Dawson. Dylan Stevens scored 48 points. Time on ground percentage was 64. Points per minute was 0. 0.75. 80% game scenario, that was 60 points. He had a quiet day for me, Jeb. Unsure we'll see him round one. Long term, the prospects are very good here for Sydney. Yeah, I I still think he's he's underperforming these preseason games. I, like Looking at his Stanford numbers last year, this kid can play. So don't be surprised if he does play round one, and don't be surprised if he starts round one with a bang as well. So mm. I've, I've, I'm pretty much going the, the green or Stevens pick at the moment. Um, but yeah, I um, I wouldn't definitely wouldn't rule out Dylan Stevens for round one. Yeah, I hope we see him round one. But definitely there's a quality player right there though. Yeah, for sure. You can see it in his decision making. He he he's got quality disposal. He took a good yeah. grab. Um, on the weekend, and oh, you just some kids you've got it, and you can just see it in his body language, can't you? We need to be selfish. We want him there at round one, but anyway, we, we'll see what we happens. On to Ollie Florent. He scored 48 points. Time on ground percentage was 70 points per minute, was 0. 0.69. 80% game scenario, that was 54.9 points. He played midfield, but his scoring rate was a little bit slow for me, Jep. Yeah, it's a no for me now. Um, I don't think I don't think it's a wise way of picking him up. Justin McInerney, he scored four points, only played minimal minutes there. Points per minute was 0.57 and 80% game scenario. That was 45.7 points. He played limited minutes again, Jep. He's very much an outside chance for round one now. Yeah, so, but what I do take away from his limited minutes is is that it helps um, Dylan Stevens. So um, if McInerney's on the outer, then I think D- Dylan Stevens isn't. And, um, and there's a pro to that. Yep, good thinking. On to Ben Brown. There's some chance he will miss round one, which might actually elevate the prospects for your mate, Tristan Zeri Jep. Cherry. Is it pronounced Cherry? I think it's pronounced Cherry. So, yeah, look, he um, presents well, doesn't he? Mm. Gee whiz, he doesn't mind a bit of biff. Um, 
and throwing his body at the packs. But, you know, 26 fantasy points in the game is, is not what we want. So, um, and that included nine hitouts. So, yeah, look, um, probably R3 viable um, or even a forward bench spot viable if you still want to have Darcy Cameron there. Um, I just think we've got to be clever about this and, and think, yep, yeah, Ben Brown... When Ben Brown's fit, he, he Cherry goes out. Um, so what can he actually gain from having him on the bench and not doing much? Um, so, yeah, it's probably a no for me early on. On to Geelong versus Essendon, the final game of the Marsh Community Series. Patrick Dangerfield scored 101 points. Time on Graham percentage was 70. Points per minute was 1.44. 80% game scenario, that was 115.4 points. He was very solid through that midfield jet. He looks actually ready for round one. Yeah, he does. Um, and far out, he looked pretty fit too. Mm, Absolutely unhampered. Absolutely. Moved freely. And I am now considering him for one of my mid-premo spots, mate. Mm, uh, definitely, me, definitely me too there, Jeb. On to Jack Stephen. He had an injury interrupted pre-season with a calf injury. He scored 90 points, Jeb. 65% time on ground. Points per minute was very solid, 1.38. 80% game time that worked out to be 110.8 points. He was quite impressive in that first quarter, Jeb. His ability to run to space to present as an option is what we like to see as fantasy coaches. Oh, look, his work rate was unreal. So he's obviously giving them, giving Geelong foot speed, which they desperately need. And we've spoken about this before, about Jack Stephen, when he does, his role would be a midfield role predominantly. And I think that's what we... We saw come to life on the weekend, um, although he did rest forward at times. He is a midfielder. Yep. Um, so, yeah, for sure, um, Jack Stephen is, is thereabouts, and he's a value pick in the forward line as a result of it. You know, He's going to be pushing three-figure scores for sure. Just a word of warning here. Like I'm, I think the, the Jack Stephen midfield usage rate will be high this season. We're going to talk about next player, Quentin Narkel, in just a sec. But don't forget, Joel Selwood was not playing here. Uh, we also had Cam Guthrie was not playing here. And obviously, Mitch Duncan not playing here. So that midfield mix will change a little bit. And onto Quentin Narkel, which it may affect. And he's been quite solid in this preseason. He scored 86 points. Time on ground percentage was 77. Points per minute was 1.12. 80% game scenario, that was 89.4 points. His midfield usage was high here, Jep. Uh, there is definite upside here. But again, I think the Cats are going to spread out their midfield this year. Yeah, and look, Nark was you know, a midfielder, and I, I noticed him in the final series last year for sure. So uh, I don't deter from the fact, again, that they need leg speed in their midfield, um, and that's where Jack Stephen comes in for sure. So, um, But, you know, Nark will... Solid player, and, and probably going to be one of the most improved this season, I reckon. I completely agree right there. On to the Bombers, Michael Hurley. He scored 119 points. Time on ground percentage was 89. Points per minute was 1.34. 80% game scenario, that was 107 points. He played a quality scoring role in defence. Jep, could this be a throwback season for Michael Hurley? <sighs> Look, I've had him before... Um, in, when he does this, like, and this is many years ago, I just nine marks, one tackle, twenty-four kicks. Like he's almost the designated kicker out of there. So he, yep. he's he's had 
almost 10 more kicks than any other Essendon player. Um, so if McGrath, Andrew McGrath is going to play more midfield time, who's who's their quarterback? Who's the quarterback for Essendon? You know, we, we look at Saad, but he's a run and carry type player. He's not a, um, a lace out player. Even, you know, Connor, um, what's his name? McKenna. McKenna. Yep. I was about to say McGregor, yep. another Irishman. But Connor McKenna is another one. He's not really renowned for his foot skills. It's more of his pace. So Hurley becomes almost a quarterback uniquely at Essendon. So I like that thinking. Yeah, it's 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 what it's just interesting seeing twenty four kicks, and then the next best is um, Adam Saad with fifteen. You know, Zach Rader thirteen kicks and Andrew McGrath thirteen kicks. So well, there could be a bit of value here, mate. Uh, it, this is a high risk, high reward pick, um, and he's one of the leaders of that football club too. So it's yeah, that's it, it's probably Hurley jumps for me in the average, and he pushes as a top six defender. Interesting. So just. It, but it's a high risk pick, yeah. Given yeah, yeah. his price, I think. I think you. At some stage, we're going to have to take a risk somewhere, and especially this season, probably more so than many other seasons uh, that started at round one. So that ownership is at one percent, which is quite low. I don't think many people will actually be thinking about him. But I like your thinking there. It's a pretty much a quarterback type role, and he did pop a little bit in this game. On to Devin Smith. He scored one hundred and ten points. Time of ground percentage was 85. Points per minute was 1.29, which was quite okay. 80% game scenario, that was 103.5 points. He played mid, he played more midfield minutes, Jep. His scoring rate obviously increased. Uh, his tackle rate and your, your lines of previous podcasts have suggested that you want to hit some you know, disposals, some tackles, some marks. He hits those stat lines for you. Yeah, he hits every stat line, and he's he's a sensible choice. Um, has a primo forward, and he's going to be pushing as a top six forward. I, I think there's a, you know, I didn't like. For me, I didn't notice him in as in the midfield as much as I as I probably wanted to. That's all. So, but look, I I think he's just warming up to the year. Personally, he's not even, you know in full throttle mode so when he's in full throttle mode hungry and, and competing hard he um you know he those 10 tackles could be 12 13 tackles and that's his asset mm. um and obviously he brings a lot as a midfielder as well um, with his kicks and, and hard ball gets and all the rest of it so look pretty i've got him ahead of dusty put it that way on to andrew mcgrath he's got 110 points time and ground percentage was 90 Points per minute was 1.22, and that equated to 97.8 points in an 80% game scenario. Again, he was used at a high rate through that midfield. Finally, we actually started to see a little bit of a ceiling here with McGrudger. Yeah, like um, I feel like we've been we've just heard it all before, haven't we? Not. Hmm. It, it's um, see, McGrath's a mid only two this year. If he was a defender, defender we'd, yeah. We'd, yeah, we'd talk about it. But 554. Just not not fitting in my um, my team structure, buddy. Yeah, def- uh, disappointing that he lost his defender status. Obviously, he would be a high pick for me at that stage. Anyway, on to Zach Merritt. He scored 100 points. Time on ground percentage was 73. Points per minute was 1.37. 109.6 points that was for an 80% game scenario. He played the solid game, Jep. His scoring rate was quite solid. Yeah, look, primo mid doing primo mid-like things, isn't he? So nothing changes for Zach this season. On to Darcy Parrish. 
Scored 84 points. Time on ground percentage was 76 points per minute. was 1.11. 80% game scenario. That was 88.4 points. There is some upside here, Jep. Yeah, but in that 84, he had three goals. So he's not going to kick three goals every week. So it's a no from me, buddy. On to Jordan Ridley. Scored 79 points. Time on ground percentage was 82 points per minute. was 0.96. And that equated to 77.1 points. We'll start the season in defence for the Bombers, Jep. But he's just... Might be an awkward prize. Yeah, and I started with him last year, um, but he's one that could develop into the quarterback role for Essendon. Yep. Now, whether that's this year or next year um, is is the question. Um, but look, he's a beautiful kick of the footy, very very good kick. So um, look, I, I'm not. I, he's still on my watch list. I'm still not ruling him out. I've got to um, consider other things, but. I might be looking to, to make a hundred grand here and there, and, and he's the cheaper of the mid prices. On to Brendan Zerk Thatcher. He scored 74 points. Time on ground percentage was 94. Points per minute was 0.79. 80% game scenario was 63. He will play a key defensive role. His scores will be volatile, Jep. Yeah, and, and for that reason, I can't spend 312 grand on him, buddy. I, I, if I'm spending that much, I, you know, I want to be comfortable that he's scoring 70-plus, and he ain't going to be scoring 70-plus a game. On to Jacob Townsend. Scored 53 points. Time on ground percentage was 67. Points per minute was 0.79. 80% game scenario. That was 63.3 points. He kicked three goals and still scored, though, Jeb, in his forward role. He did three goals. I didn't like it, really, with with a score of 58, 53, including three goals. Um, I think we're in for some dire scores from Townsend throughout the year. He's playing um, a forward lockdown role. <clears throat> we all know that. So, yeah, um, I'm questioning whether to start him or not this season. But he obviously still presents some value given his starting price. The issue there, Jeb, he might be the only option. <laughs> well, yeah, and this is the thing. But, again, this is I come back to the Grundy scenario, you know, like – that sort of weighs into it, doesn't it? Like, you, you, you don't start Townsend, or we'll put it this way, would you rather start Townsend or would you rather start Naismith? Like, compare it in that sense. And that's what I'm... Uh, these are the questions I'm asking myself at the moment. Mm-hmm. On to Joel Selwood. There's a potential that he's going to miss round one. We'll see how that goes over the next couple of weeks, but just keep in mind for the Cats midfield. Over to the Bombers there on injury news. Dyson Happer will miss the start of the season. There's a potential that he may, may miss quite a few early games of the season. All those game recaps are available on aflratings.com.au under fantasy. Jeff, just a couple of thoughts just to finish off. Your R2, just a couple of quick thoughts there. So, yeah, it's Naismith at the moment. You, you, um, you, but as you do, you influence my thoughts. And, um, <clears throat> look, I'll reconsider everything. Um the R2 is is the option sort of is where a lot of coaches will start differently. You know, some will start with Nate Smith, some will start with Nick Nat, some will start with um, Jacobs, and, and that's great. That gives us options, and <clears throat> I'm, I'm not a fan of vanilla teams um, at all. So I think we'll see a diverse range of scores come, you know, in the early rounds for sure, um, and not just because of Nate Smith. I think everyone's going to have the same rooks because there just aren't any. Um, but strategy-wise, it's 
I think it comes in the rucks and, and, and gaining some PODs and looking at some PODs for the season. So um, not only just picking a POD just for the sake of it, it's, you pick them for a reason and and um, that POD could, could be the thing that puts you in good stead overall for overall rank and, and against your mates in your leagues. One question I meant to ask you over the pre-season pod step was obviously you live in Perth and the round one lockout and lockouts in general obviously happen in your time zone a lot earlier than what they do over here on the eastern seaboard. So from a Perth-based fantasy coach, are you able to help out other Perth-based fantasy coaches on your process in trying to finalise your team not only for round one, but throughout the season in early lockouts, because obviously round your three hours time difference, and round one. Well, I'm, yeah, round I'm one, still at work, mate. Yeah, round one is at seven fifty here, and round one for you is at set, well on the Friday night is at you know four fifty. So, are you able to take listeners through what you go through being Perth based? So that is an annoying fact of living in Perth, but the other reason is I do love having a football game that finishes early and and you can sort of go for a drink or dinner later and, and all the rest of it. So, mm-hmm. um, But for fantasy sense, yes, I'm still at work at 4.50. Thankfully, it's normally a Friday, but they're obviously Thursday games. So, look, I'm I'm a senior person at, at, my, at my place of employment, so... I, I probably am allowed to jump on the fantasy uh, website, even though everyone can see my computer screen. Um, there are one, there's one in particular diehard fantasy player who I work with, who we talk about fantasy in the tea room quite often. So look, I, but I just put myself, I you know the phone, Twitter goes off. Um, I just completely focus on what I need to do. I, I typically don't leave my trades to the eleventh hour anyway. I, I make a call the night before and, and obviously monitor injuries or any any um, 11th hour changes. But, um, yeah, it's just about being prepared, um, planning it. I have my spreadsheet. I always plan two, three trades ahead, um, although it doesn't always work out like that. It's, you, you know, you've got to have a plan. Um, and, again, I'll have a big plan to bring in potentially a primo Ruckman this year um, as an example. So... Yeah, the earlier being earlier here just means I have to do it from work um, or on the mobile or whatever or wherever I'm at. But you know, it's near enough the end of the day, typically on a Friday anyway. So we're we've clocked off for drinks. So, um, but yeah, I do typically like to go to bed the Thursday night or the Wednesday night before, knowing what I'm going to do and mm. and I always look come Monday or Tuesday when lockout's over. I my first thought of trade is usually the one I go for anyway. So it's just about being prepared, playing it. You know, we've had a massive and long fantasy preseason. I can't wait for lockout to hit. And, um, yeah, that's sort of how I deal with it. It's just being prepared, planning-wise, and and getting everything locked away, just reassuring ourselves, keeping an eye on Twitter during the day for for injuries or whatever else, and that's about it. I guess my takeaway from those thoughts right there is obviously the preparation uh, early in the week, do all your research, make some decisions, have some trade scenarios available. Uh, obviously, each week we you know, have to deal with some injury scenarios, so have some options up your sleeve. 
and yeah, pretty much from a sounds like from a Perth-based fantasy coach is you know to be in decision mode the night before rather than the day of. Your thoughts there? Yeah, absolutely. Just and look, I would recommend that for everyone. Just have, be assured in your plan. Um, be assured in your plan, and um, and stick to your plan. You know, like we're easily influenced by the outside world, especially in fantasy and, and the opinions of many. And um, I would back any decisions. Like I have not changed my primos from um, from January because I've done so much research into my primos for this season. So I'm not deterring away. I'm not looking at marsh form at all um, when picking my primos. Um, I did have Trelaw there, so obviously he goes out. But, you know, back, back yourself, back your planning. Um, and, um, yeah. It's you. Um, you love this game for a reason, and it's um, it's it'd just be more annoying if you if you change your mind at the eleventh hour and and you had the you had the right call the whole time. Jeffo and I are up to podcast number twenty. This is we've had obviously nineteen prior to this. We started with research into last year's winner. We started with research into the ownership percentages and the midfield ownership percentages. For those that haven't had a listen to that, I would highly recommend going back through podcast one and two. Uh, we've had a stack of research. We analysed the draft, Jep. Uh, I spoke to Warney. I spoke to Ryan Daniels from Perth, who gave, gave us great intel into Frio and West Coast. And we talked a little bit of media there. And obviously, one of the key discussions was through is with uh, Selby. Obviously, he won in 2017 and 2018. Just a shout-out to Selby. He says in guide he's still available. So for those who haven't purchased, that is highly recommended. Jep, we've also gone through a stack of injury information news. We've gone through the Mask Community Series. We're nearing the end of pre-season. We've got two monster podcasts coming up this weekend that we're going to record. It's Jepper Juniors, and I'm going to go through all the value selections by price and by position. So that is also a key podcast, and then we'll hit back for the listeners next Tuesday night as well. We've still got a stack of hours to come prior to round one. Uh, For those who are deep into their research, if you're going to go back and listen to our Plus 6 podcast that we have recorded already, I would actually start to do that ASAP because that is quite a few hours listening right there. Final thoughts before we wrap up here, Jep? Yeah, so big... I've got to close out my, my rookie picks and I'll provide plenty of insight as I have done in the past for everyone. Um, look, a lot of it will be sensible picks and a lot of it will be other rooks that will be prominent in the early rounds of the year. So um, hold no fear. It's a must listen. Um, I've, I've got this. I've done a stack of work on it already and I'll, I'll finish it off um, come the weekend. Before I close this podcast, if you would like a chance of scoring a plus six podcast cap, just retweet any podcast link that is sent out via Twitter and we'll give a few away towards the end of pre-season, which is probably going to be start to be next week. So keep an eye on your Twitter feeds. On that note, Jep, we'll wrap up this podcast. Thanks for tuning in.